The big news today is that a reporter for the Washington Post has doxed the creator behind the popular Twitter account Libs of TikTok. This is a, an account that criticizes the left and often highlights publicly available posts from these people. It's really interesting that this is considered a bad thing. Like somebody posts a video on TikTok, somebody else shares it, and they're like, stop sharing it. It's like, you, you meant for it to be shared. You know, you post it on social media. The interesting thing about this story is that shortly after it was published, there was a major backlash among many on the right, because not only was the name of the person who created the account published, but also their private home address. Now, there's a lot to get into, into the nuance of what that means, but we here at TimCast, our great reporters, dug through some public records, and sure enough, the address that they they linked to was listed as the private residence of the creator of Libs of TikTok. There is a lot to go through there, so let me just stress that there's more nuance, more context. The Washington Post came out uh, a, a, a mo- like not too not too long ago, a couple hours ago, I think, saying we never linked to any of their private details, which is the craziest and boldest outright lie, because we have the archival article, and it's got the link. I can click the link and show you the address. I'm not going to, but it's remarkable that they think they can just outright lie like this. So you know what we're going to talk about? You know, the media is dying. CNN Plus latest update: they they laid off CNN CFO is laid off. Their uh, discovery apparently is like this is a flop. Netflix just tanked like what 25% in their stock. Uh, what else do we got? We got oh, John Stewart's new show, 40,000 viewers. 40, wow. and, 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 and here's the best part. Not even viewers. They called it homes. Homes. That means like literally no one might be watching John Stewart's show. Huh. Get what go broke, man. So we got that. We've got uh, uh, also in the media, an ethics complaint potentially against Jen Psaki because she's disparaging Fox News while negotiating a contract with MSNBC. Really interesting media stuff here. And then we got some other stuff related to uh, Black Lives Matter. They're accused of uh, what, what being the reason behind a major spike yeah, in murders or something like spike. that. So we'll talk about all that. Plus, Joe Biden has uh, apparently announced he's going to be running again. It's going to be a wild show. We have a lot to talk about with the Washington Post doxing. This is reporter Taylor Lorenz. Yes, she literally doxed a, 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 somebody. And, and it's considered very hypocritical because she recently has said doxing is wrong. So we'll get into the nuance of this. Uh, joining us today is, of course, Jack Posobiec. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard tonight's edition of Tim Cast. Promoting your new book, I see. Promoting my new book. <laughs> this new book is called By Pillow. And <laughs> yeah. it no is written by By Pillow, by pillow um, <laughs> in conjunction with promo code postofmypillow.com. And essentially, it's just every word on the page, on the first page on the left, it says by, and on the right, it says pillow. Nice. All the way through the book. Huh. Is this like your new catchphrase? By Pillow. Just, it is pretty good. By Pillow. <laughs> by Pillow, good. Tim. What's, <laughs> what's the plot of the book? It's an epic um, <laughs> saga. I don't know, really. man. It put me to sleep. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Wow. As intended. Like, the book itself actually exactly. is a pillow. It's a pillow, yeah. The book itself actually is a pillow. We also have Shamus. Functions. Seamus, I'm back. Uh, it was, you know, a, a wonderful Easter weekend for me. It's great to be back and see all you people. And I'm Don't excited for today's show. Mm-hmm. Conspiracy too. What's up, everybody? Although I do disagree, the media is dying. I think it's transmuting into what we have here. We mean the, now. We mean, we mean the corporate metastasizing. I agree with yeah. you there. <laughs> but I'm, I got to say, tonight is the night. The official announcement of the theory of the twisting universe. Oh, up to this you? point, people have believed that the universe is expanding. I think there's better evidence to show that it's actually twisting around on itself. Did, did you make this up? It came to me in a dream, my man. Oh, I've been thinking about this a earth. lot over the last six months, and I had a conversation with Michael Malice yesterday that really kind of nailed some pieces in. So I, I brought a graphic. I'm going to talk about it later in the show. Were you high? 
I don't think so. Right. Well, I mean, I kind of always go. am. I think it stays in your fat for years or something. All right. Well, we'll talk about that. What's got Liddy pressing the button? I am pressing buttons. I'm very excited to hear about the Twisting Universe theory. I'm curious if it aligns with our Donut Earth theory. Fl- do- Earth good. is both yeah. hollow and flat. That's right. Yeah. So donut. what I'm saying is the, maker, the makers of <laughs> Twister were on to something. Yes. They yeah, were yeah. tapping into the very fabric of space-time. Oh, oh you're ripping it. me apart with your yeah, ideas. Yeah, there you go. Red. All right. <laughs> anyway. well, let's right talk, foot let's, red. Let's, let's uh, stop having fun and talk about serious <laughs> stuff, I guess. Oh, great. No, I'm kidding. We'll have fun. Before we get started, my friends, head over to TinCast.com. Become a member because... Because we are going to have a members-only segment coming up for you just after the show. But more importantly, as a member, you are funding the reporting we do. And this morning, this is a big part of the story. This morning, when the story came out, the narrative among you know journalists and politicos and commentators was that this uh, reporter from the Washington Post had revealed the name of this creator. Of course, the original article actually did dox the address of the creator. We did some digging here at TimCast.com and found... Uh, uh, through uh, public record searches. I wouldn't call it difficult, but I wouldn't call it easy. There's easy, you know, public record search. Then there's like medium, a little bit more than normal. But we did discover that the address they posted and then quickly removed was the private home address of the creator. I, I bring this up now because we're going to get into it. But if you really do respect the reporting we're doing and challenging the, the lies and the manipulations, then we need your support as members because that's how we fund our reporters. And we have on the ground reporters we do not sell stories. We don't make money off the stories. We cross our fingers and hope that you believe in us enough and respect the, the news that we report so that you'll become a member and help us make more. It's a pay what you will model and it's a risky business model, but I think it's the right business model because I don't want to hide important information or put explosive details like this behind paywalls. So we just do bonus segments as a sort of, you know, extra. So become a member. Don't forget to smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show. We're already, we already have more daily active users than CNN, but alas, it is now being reported that CNN actually does have 150,000 subscribers, so they're definitely bigger than us. But with your help, sharing this video will be bigger than them at that point as well. Let's read this first story from TimCast.com. Washington Post publishes home address of popular critic of left libs of TikTok. Reporter Taylor Lorenz has previously claimed to suffer from PTSD from being doxxed in a similar way. Now, I want to show you a little bit here, and I got to explain a lot of the nuance. All right. They say an article by a technology reporter at the Washington Post provided the home address of the creator of the libs of TikTok Twitter account. In an article meant to expose the person behind the popular account, reporter Taylor Lorenz linked to a critical piece of information that disclosed the private home address of the person running libs of TikTok. After the ensuing backlash, the post removed the link. Tim Cast confirmed that the address published is documented as the creator's private home address. Now, I will say uh, we were all in the newsroom going over this investigating details. Everybody kind of contributed to uh, working on this story. And we did end up pulling public records, which confirmed the original story published by the Washington Post contained a link to two different links to two addresses. One address was the address of the creator of Libs of TikTok. The other address was the address of family members. Now, here's the challenge. If I pull up the archive to prove they're lying about this, it will expose the name of the creator of Libs of TikTok, which I don't want to do. Can, mm. can, but, well, I suppose we have no choice. Well, it's kind of like showing cuties to talk about how bad cuties is. No, no. look, the Washington Post published a lie. Should we show their lie and prove them lying? I don't prove think we should lie? show well, the I address. Well, think, I think you can show... No, no, not the address. Oh, okay. No, no, no. You can show the... Oh, wait. Is it in the screenshot? In in the tweet from the Washington Post where they lie, right. they oh, use yeah. the name of the creator of Libs of TikTok. Mm. Right. And therein That's lies a the tough issue. You can one. at least show the 
I believe the screenshot of the original article, which shows no, the shows hyperlink. The it shows. It still has the name there. Saw, See, they put the name, name right. every. They put the name everywhere. This I think is, this is on purpose, by the way. I think. I think this is by design. I think it's silly for us at this point to be like people can't find the name. Yeah, exactly. We anybody could. Anybody could look at my Twitter account right oh. now and Washington Post is tweeting. I, I think yeah. we don't need to show it. People believe us. If you really don't believe us, go search for it yourself. No, I think that's. It. I think it's. We're being ridiculous at this point to be like, oh, we're not going to say the name, even though literally it's all over Twitter everywhere. It's trending. Well, even Stephen Crowder mentioned it on the his Eric, the oh, Eric Charamella. Yeah. Crowder, right. Crowder, Crowder did, Crowder did say uh, the name of the the creator. Yeah, he did. Well, he then did. we're gonna we're yeah. gonna we're gonna go with it. Yeah, it shouldn't be an issue. So uh, we have this from Christine Karate Kelly. Statement from Cameron Barr, re-reporting from Taylor Lorenz. They said Taylor Lorenz is an accomplished and diligent journalist whose reporting methods comport entirely with the Washington Post's professional standards. Chaya Raichek. In her management of the libs of TikTok Twitter account and in media interviews has had significant impact on public discourse and her identity had become public knowledge on social media. We did not publish or link to any details about her personal life. Cameron Barr, senior managing editor of the Washington Post. Tim Poole can confirm that is a lie. I tweeted, this is the game they play. Effing evil people as evil as they come. There's the archive. There's your proof. Sorry to Libs of TikTok for dealing with this, but WAPO needs to be exposed and proven to be liars. Mm. Here is the archive of the first version of their story. And I'm going to read it. It is archive.ph slash capital B, lowercase e, capital V. I believe it's an L, lowercase L, and lowercase O. And they linked to right here. If I click that right now, it will show you the address of Libs of TikTok. We pulled up private, uh, we pulled up public records. It was a, a, a paid public record search a little bit deeper than you normally go and confirmed this is documented as the private home residence of the creator of Libs of TikTok. I, I apologize that we've come to this point. We had, we had deep ethical, uh, conundrums and debates in the newsroom about whether or not we expose the Washington Post for having done this because we're effectively amplifying their docs by doing so. But I said, Anything that happens at this point is on the Washington Post. Anything bad that happens is on them. And we need to call it out because if we say nothing, they, they are not held to account for having done it. That being said, it is possible. This is no longer the current address of the individual. There's other other issues at play. But they also published another address, which is the we, we believe based on report of the reporting that we've done is the family ad- address of the individual. Now you're crossing the line. For what reason did they have to do that? Now I reached out to Taylor Lorenz and said, we can confirm you published the private home address of the creator of Libs of TikTok. Do you have a comment? To which she responded, I did not. So she's saying she posted a link to it and that's the hill they're going to die on. It's it, not, they're saying it's not the same. That all she was, I did not. No, no, so, no, 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 no. Because in the statement, it says link. Right. It, it says we did not link to. So in the statement, so in the statement from Taylor to you, she's saying I did not publish. In the statement from the Washington Post, which came out like 12 hours after the actual article itself went live, they claim they did not link after they themselves positively went into the archive, removed the link, which we can only now see in the archive version. That's right. So they're lying about doing it. Mm-hmm. Taylor is lying about doing it. I suppose her only argument is that she doesn't believe it's the private home address. But I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, how would she know that? Did she actually? I asked her. I, I didn't. I didn't just ask. You know, why did you do this? I sent a comment, and uh, um, because like, I got to be honest, I'll give Taylor this respect. She responds every time there's been an issue. She's responded. She's actually corrected things before, so I can respect that. And I said we're going to be publishing the story. 
I can confirm you published the private home address of the creator of Libs of TikTok. I asked two questions. Why was the link removed? And did you check the address in the link you posted before publishing it? And a response was, I did not publish the, the private home address and then directed me to Washington Post PR. If that's the only thing she has to say, I can only respond with that is an incorrect statement, outright falsifiable, because I, I'm not going to publish the, the documents that we have because it's a paid search. You can dig up public records that are not. Uh, I'll, I'll put it this well, way. Is it, it, it's publicly available, but it's through like a paid investigator, uh, investigative service to get these records. Like you'd have to go and physically like ask and just like go to the county or something. We got them. We're not going to publish them. But I, I, I can say it's a statement of fact. Washington Post did publish the private so home address her, of Libs of TikTok. Is her contention, because this has to do with the fact that um, Libs, I guess, was a real estate salesperson and that this was the registered address of her as a business entity working as a realist, working in real estate sales. Well, and so we, Taylor's so, so, trying to hide behind well, that. Well, even, that the even if that's the case, what is the good in publishing that? Why would you have any reason to do so in order to do an expose the, on somebody? Well, it, it's at the very least. I'm just trying to understand that. But argument. let me, let me, yeah. let me, I want to make sure we get to the real nuance here, the real context. The link they published was a real estate license, which had the address of an LLC. Right. However, the address used by the LLC is actually a split building with, with multiple apartments and a storefront. On Google Maps, the storefront is a salon. So I said, okay, well, wait a minute. It is common for people to use their own address for their LLCs. Yeah, all the time. Regardless of whatever reason, I have no idea why there's other employees listed within the LLC at that address. We did the record search and it, and it's, 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 it is listed in public records as a private residence of this individual. So that's on the Washington Post. If they would like to explain that, feel free to. As it stands right now, we pulled public records. It's a private home address and they published the address. Anyone else can do it. And anything that happens at this point is on the Washington Post for doing it. I've got well, to point out some, some, I guess, nuance because posting something and posting a link to something are different as an a social media administrator. And if someone posts something illegal, they go to jail. If someone posts a link to it, they're allowed to. Not true. Well, it is as an admin. You don't, you, you remove the original piece, but you don't hammer everyone that retweeted it. That's insane if That's, we live we're like not talking that. About, we're not talking about sharing a post. We're talking about them taking the link to the address and putting it in the article. Was this not already public information? It, so the name of the individual is not public. So, so they put some pieces together? So if no one knows the name of the person, then it doesn't matter what is public. If you then say, here's their name... And here's a link to their address. You've doxed them. You've published your address. And I got to be honest, that is the nuclear bomb of doxing. But, but they're, they're trying to argue this is not doxing. When you post their name and then with a link next to it saying, here's their home address, you've doxed them. Is that illegal? No. No. Well, maybe it should be in the 21st mm, century. Free speech. The, the, thing that, the thing that I think yeah. we do need to add, though, is that the Washington Post is not the one that did all this work. And Taylor Lorenz is not certainly not the one who did all this work. She's piggybacking off of work that was done by pro Antifa accounts over the weekend. People that have been doxing um, online accounts on the right and conservatives for years with uh, ongoing harassment campaigns, some of which, by the way, we're starting to hear may receive foreign government funding. Well, wow. what well, I can't what I, what I what I can say is. All, what mm -hmm. is what is very much ignored by this is that Taylor Lorenz did receive information from activists, published it as if it was her story, and used the the Washington Post. 
Matthew Iglesias of Vox.com, which is a left-wing publication. He's no longer with them anymore, but this is... He's I one thought of, it, yeah, he, he's one of the founders, he started right? it, but then he left, yeah. He said, you had a great take. He said, this article is basically framed as libs of TikTok bad, but then it provides you with no real thesis or argument as to why that's the case. There's it no is, story. It, it, it's basically, it is activism masquerading as news. Yes. Yeah, there is no story. He said it turns out the, the crux of the story, who is this person? Turns out she's a random crank of no, of, of, you know, no public notoriety. So why was that relevant? This is, um, do you remember when they doxed, when, uh, I think it was BuzzFeed doxed Harvey Donkum? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and they said, oh, the pro Trump meme maker. And they found that he's a stay at home father of four who lives in Kansas City. He's just like a regular, well, yeah. Guy I mean, who raises his kids and makes memes, as opposed to Seamus, who raises yeah. other people's children. What? <laughs> what? Uh, Thank you for by the way for that. Uh, but but you the, lift them up, Seamus. What do you mean? All the children of Earth. Oh, I, I, I got I got I got I got to pull something up real quick. When you go to the SPJ ethics code, and oh. uh, I think I'm going to have to shrink this so you can see it. There we go. You can see minimize harm in large black bold letters, huh. and it says. Yeah. Recognize that legal access to information differs from an ethical justification to publish or broadcast it. Here we go. This is the Society for Professional Journalists Standard of Ethics. Now, there's others. There's Reuters. I think the AP has theirs, but this is SPJ, which is what they teach you in schools. And um, the, the point being brought up here is you minimize harm. Within minimize harm, they literally say just because information may be public or you have legal access to it doesn't mean you should broadcast it which is the challenge we had in our newsroom because we're like, we can confirm this is a private home address, but do we, do we push that out? Because that'll, that'll, that'll potentially cause harm. You know, this is the, it was a, real quick. It was a coin toss for us. We ultimately decided that the public's right to know what major corporations are doing with the power of billionaires outweighed the potential harms because the harm of not exposing this was greater than the harms to the individual. So with that, you know, I apologize to libs of TikTok for being caught up in this, but we are not it's, the ones who posted the It's edges. a tough one because do you expose Medusa to the crowd to show them that it's Medusa? Because if you if they see it, they'll turn to stone. Well, I mean, and, and what are they exposing? This person makes videos on the Internet that make fun of other people. In fact, right, they're not even doing that. They're just posting other mm-hmm. things that people have said, which were already ridiculous in yeah, and of th- themselves there would be a to story. expose the left thinks there would be a story if there were some i don't know funded effort behind this that was being <laughs> obfuscated or if there were some nefarious you know organization behind the lips something like that but there's no story here there's right. no story whatsoever this is the point i brought up earlier what is served by saying the two words that is the private name of the individual nothing now the story could be the person running the account was at january 6th as reported, I think that's new. I think it's relevant. Interesting. What is the what are the motivations of this person? Right. The opinions of the individual also. Oh, okay. So this person also said these things. That's relevant. But you can tell that story without saying their name. Saying the name only serves to maximize potential harm. Well, so what I was going to say, this is the opposite argument that you hear in uh, that came up in the Katanji Brown Jackson hearings. When she was talking about some of the decisions and article she had written when she was in law school regarding sex offender registries and the idea being that if you make a mistake once in your life, it shouldn't follow you for the rest of your life forever. So the idea was to minimize harm to potential sex offenders or to convicted sex offenders that over time you would be able to um, reduce the amount of time essentially that you would appear in the registry. That's the exact argument that that was being made for sex offenders, right? 
versus this one, which is minimize harm completely for just the subjects of journalism. So Taylor Lorenz, right, is, is maximizing harm to someone who runs an, an aggregator of, again, public videos that are already out there, videos, again, that are made to be shared. And obviously it's, you know, it's not, it's not hypocrisy, it's hierarchy. That's kind of the main thing, the main thrust of all this, because we can say all day long that, oh, it's hypocrisy. You're doing, you're exposing, you're writing, you're doing all this stuff, but it's, it's not hypocrisy. It's hierarchy. They're allowed to do it. Taylor Lorenz is allowed to do it. Uh, because she is of the anointed class. She is of the upper class. She is of the aristocracy. And the fact of the matter is that because Libs of TikTok was not anointed, she didn't go to the right school. She didn't get the right credentials. She was doing this unauthorized. Then she's not allowed to. Because keep in mind, Taylor Lorenz used to be a TikTok journalist herself. Yep. And she would go in specifically posting videos from Kellyanne Conway's 13-year-old daughter and all sorts of other people across TikTok and Instagram. Right. And she was doxing Pamela Geller's daughters at the same time. This is what she did. And at the end of the day, Taylor Lorenz is jealous that libs of TikTok was able to become more influential and more effective and more do more long-lasting reporting just from looking at TikTok videos than Taylor Lorenz will ever do in her entire life. You said earlier that there was like foreign actors potentially involved with uh, activist groups that are working in the doxing. Yeah. Uh, is that confirmed or is this just stuff you've heard? It is confirmed. Do you have evidence? I mean, is there evidence around that we can pull up or is it, is it something we more, should, uh, we should, we should wait until we have the bigger story, the release and yeah. evidence. Cause I don't want to get into, yeah, let's not, it's, you know, it's, research well, on the air. I, I, I like pulling a, up sources for this. It is know. a rabbit hole, but the idea is that the person who conducted the initial docs mm. is actually receiving funding from foreign governments. Well, we've talked about this before. The Washington Post is not exactly the uh, most reputable and responsible publication out there. So I'm sure you all remember that these are the people who spread the uh, mistruths about Nick Sandman. And part of why I'm bringing mm. that up right now is because even though you mentioned it isn't necessarily illegal for them to link to the information they link to, we could all agree it's extremely irresponsible. And when you looked at the Nick Sandman case, there's sort of a similar situation where they made the entire country hate this kid. And then in the name of the story, the Covington school kids, they told you where he went to school. Mm -hmm. So it would be very easy for someone to find and hurt him and the people he was with based on that information. And That's he sued insanely them into oblivion. Yeah. Did he sue Washington Post too? I believe he sued Washington Post and attempted to sue CNN, but I can double I think check they on settled. that. Let's, yeah. let's talk uh, about why this is happening. Mm. So we have the story from the New York Post. Jon Stewart's new show on Apple TV is reportedly a flop. Well, what happened? Um, Jon Stewart got woke, went broke. Look at Bill Maher. Bill Maher has been resisting and trying to pull back, but still pretty much playing the establishment game. But he's been calling out wokeness, and he's sort of maintained an audience. He's also never retired. Jon Stewart tried to make a comeback. Smack talks white people, and the problem with white people gets panned for it. And you know what I think? I think most of you watching used to watch Jon Stewart. I used to watch Jon Stewart. Now I see him come back, get what go broke. So let's talk about this. We were just talking about libs of TikTok. What is libs of TikTok? Well, the reality is it was an aggregator. It was a lens that was aggregating the woke left, the insane things they say and do, and presenting them in a feed. This was a powerful tool in the culture war showing regular people what was going on. It resulted in outrage among parents, it resulted it potentially in laws getting passed. Now, why would they try to target the individual and try to destroy their lives? Because wokeness is not popular and it cannot win without brute force trying to destroy. When Jon Stewart tries to get woke, it fails. 
That's what they say. Get what go broke, right? So they have to like, this is the funny thing. If someone is showing people what woke people are like, they have to shut it down. They're like, no, 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 don't, don't. Well, people, because people are mocking it. But John Stewart's version of being woke was meant to be a serious, prominent personality trying to get you to believe in woke things. And it's not working. No, I remember he, one of the first things he came out against was calling Harry Potter anti-Semitic. And then he went on this whole sort of like retconning of that where he actually went in and had them change the video title on the, the YouTube card. Um, in order to, cause it originally oh, said that's right, anti-Semitism, goblins. right? The goblins, anti-Semitism in Harry Potter. And then he changed it to just anti-Semitic tropes. And he said, no, I wasn't saying that Harry Potter was anti-Semitic. I was just saying that these tropes show up inside of Harry Potter. See, it's totally different. Oh, so it's like, right, right. Well, it's like no, he doesn't know how to be woke. Basically, he's, he's saying the wizard himself character yes no he, he called he's right. like i think he's a great a great wizard i'd even say a grand wizard that harry potter <laughs> but i wasn't wow. calling him racist in any way oh um, well i think it. well there there has kind of been a lot of john stewart worship for some bizarre reason over the past couple of years and i think that's because when comparing him to john oliver or trevor noah he's significantly less funny but i've heard a lot of people say things like when john stewart was the person making informational left-wing comedy it was all fantastic but I got to be honest, he very much did the uh, clown nose on, clown nose off thing that we've sometimes complained about. I remember he was getting into an argument with Tucker Carlson a couple years ago, and it was crossfire. a very it was yeah. on Crossfire. That's right, and it was a viral cr- clip, and he's going on about all this misinformation Carlson is spreading. And Tucker says, "Well, you've spread a lot of misinformation on your show." And his response is, "It's a comedy show." And I'm sorry, but when you're presenting yourself as a comedy show that spreads information to help keep people informed, you don't get to fall back on, I was just kidding when you get the facts wrong. So we did an episode about a year ago um, when Luke was here, and he and I got into it over this, over John Stewart. Um, if you guys remember that, you weren't here that night, but I, I think you three were. Oh, yeah. And I was essentially making this argument and Luke was saying, oh, but he had on Ron Paul and he did some of these other things. And I said, look, no, he was the leading edge of that. Mm-hmm. He was always the leading edge of the weaponization of comedy. And now it's gone far beyond the seeds that he initially sowed. In those I, 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 can, I can agree. You know, I think it's it's silly to look back and, and try to romanticize the, the, the era of Jon Stewart, but he praised Project Veritas. And this is a really good example of at the bare minimum of how things were different. He he mocked James O'Keefe for wearing a silly outfit, outfit, but that's fine. You know, he was he was taking jabs at James for dressing up the way he did. And it, it was actually like the normal clothes James was wearing. He, I forgot what he said. But uh, what did he call it? I don't know. But uh, he basically was like, journalists, where are you? How are you getting scooped by these guys? Which is, you know, he showed the ACOR reporting legitimately like, look at this. And he didn't call James O'Keefe a liar. He didn't say it was deceptively edited. He said, wow, look what these guys accomplished. At the very least, you have that. Now we're in the media age where Trump gets not a single good day, where everything James yeah. O'Keefe does is deceptively edited. But is James, o- but okay, has John Stewart done that lately? Well, no, no. John Stewart has came he back. Shared, out, has he woke. shared a Project Veritas He was retired for several years. years. He, came it's also, he comes back now, woke and broke. He came and as, not literally broke, figuratively broke. Yeah, right, I, my I, point is he's that leading edge. He's still that leading edge. Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to say, I know you were going to say something, um, but I, I just want to drop this in there first before we, we 
potentially shift to something else. It's not to say that John Stewart's been wrong about everything he's ever done or everything he's ever said. It's just that, like you said, he was on the, the leading edge of all of this. And whenever somebody comes out and says something even remotely sensible, conservatives go, oh, this guy gets it. He's great. He's our guy conservatives now. Conservatives need and to stop doing that. Yeah, it's really frustrating. Stop. Yeah, Bill, a, Bill Maher. Yeah, that was yeah. going to bring up when Stuart went on the- Jack Dorsey. Uh, was it the Tonight yeah. Show with Stephen Colbert. Is that the, He does a Tonight Show now. With the, um, and was talking about the coronavirus and the Wuhan laboratory of bat coronaviruses across the street from the market where they told us they found the bat right, coronavirus. Right. The, the Hershey, that the was Hershey like chocolate the most spill. sensible, aware, normal human observation. I was like, good. John Stewart's right, still which normal. We all had within like one week or even one day of hearing about. Uh, the Wuhan lab. We said, "Oh, there's a coronavirus right across the street from a virus <laughs> I know, factory." I know it was. It's hysterical that saying that po- it's possible that the virus that originated right outside of a virus factory. It, it was insane to say um, maybe that came from the virus factory, and it was sensible to say that it mutated in a bat, and then someone ate the soup at you a wet market, and that's racist. how it all happened. Exactly. Now, when right. John Stewart came out, semi out of retirement disheveled and on Colbert saying all of these things, we were like, John Stewart's back. He's going to call out the media for being dumb. And then what did he do? Got up on his show and said, the problem with white people. Right. And we were like, oh, here we go. The anti-Semitism of what Harry Potter. happened? I've never heard him use that language before. I'll tell you what. Here's what I think. Bill Maher on his show, he saw the tides because he was sitting in it. He saw people tweeting him. He probably talked to people and they were like, dude, you're getting these things wrong. And he was like, but those are conservative things. And they're like, listen, and he probably went, hmm. So Bill Maher, I think, is trying to play both sides. Call out the woke because the woke goes too far, but don't actually entertain the fact the left is so far gone that Bill Maher is conservative by by today's. Like if they call me a conservative, Bill Maher is to the right of me on a bunch of things. But I think Bill Maher recognized that. And so he's like, I'm, I'm going to call out the woke a little bit. John Stewart comes back from his semi-retirement and he's like, OK, what am I doing? And they're like, here's what's happening if you want to be a liberal guy. And he went. I'll just say whatever I have to say to be relevant. And so he was like, okay, what's that? People don't like white people. Let's do a show about it. And then sure enough, it turns out people actually don't like any of that stuff. They don't like what John Stewart's presenting on. I think a really good example to understand the blue checks are wrong and crazy is that when the mask mandate was ended, all these videos emerge of people celebrating. Right. There's a video of a flight attendant singing and dancing with a garbage bag. Everyone throws their, yeah. They're throwing their masks in. And I'm like, everybody hated that. Except for blue check mark journalists who are like, you should sue Delta if they make you take your mask off. Did you, if you, you go in on the, on the tweet about the, uh, the, so the DC Metro has taken it off, but then, um, a buddy of mine who rides it pretty regularly says they don't really enforce it anyway. He said he was on it once and, um, somebody wasn't wearing it. And then someone said something to like the Metro guy who was on there and said, Hey, this, this guy doesn't have his mask on. The Metro guy was like, I'm not a cop, man. What do you want me to do? I said, well, neither are the flight attendants, right? And also it wasn't a law to begin with. But if you go and look at the tweet from the DC Metro and Marina Medvin had posted this and she was screenshotting all the quote tweets over the DC Metro rescinding the mask mandate. And, and all they're saying, by the way, is it's optional, right? It's optional to wear, which by the way, 
if you go to Asia, China, South Korea, Japan, mask wearing, if you're sick, is pretty normal. It's pretty normalized. It's always been around, uh, certainly since they dealt with SARS and avian flu and some of the other things. But with with this one, people were freaking out. And then G-Prime had a really good tweet this morning about it where he said, just imagine, if you will, your mid-flight in a flying coffin. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Yeah, did you see? Uh, they, he, they, you could have – uh, the voice comes over the intercom. They start taking the masks off. That, that guy who And now said, you're being spreaded by the plague. And the, the worst thing of all, the guy smiling. The guy who uh, tweeted – what did he tweet? That I was on a plane with their masks off. And this is MAGA air or something like that. Oh, this my is, God. This is that MAGA air Yes. And then a journalist reached out <laughs> yeah. to From him. From the New York Times. Yep. Was like, can, I, can you tell me about your experience? He's like, well, it was satire, but – Something only a, a journalist would have believed. Right. I saw that. I hope she wins a Pulitzer. That G Prime image of the plane. I didn't know yes. what who it was or what it was, and I thought, oh, this is some far some whacked out journalist that hates the the, the mandates were lifted. I was like, wow, this is trash propaganda. And then I saw the name, yeah. and my entire perception of the image changed. So at some point, maybe we should put satire above <laughs> things that are satire. So You're starting to sound like Snopes. It. I thought if his name wasn't on that, I would have thought it was some. Some more, like somebody that was all, that hated the lifting the requirements of wanted look, masks. Look, look, that, look, I gotta say, you, you need to be training. You need to be putting on speed. These people will chase you five or six at a time. You might have to run away from them screaming. If you go anywhere near a Whole Foods, if you go anywhere near a supermarket, airports, they congregate in these spaces, Ian. I'm telling you, they will swarm. And if two or three of them scurry away from you, right, when they see you unmasked in the aisle, <laughs> keep up your situational awareness, maintain your guard and your psychic defenses at all times because they could be returning with numbers. Okay. My frightening people. No, let's I gotta be about, honest. Hold on. The, the G prime, I thought the G prime comic was hysterical. He's been so on this good. kick where he tries to create these like very intentionally banal left wing comics. His whole idea is he's trying to like get into the head of a yeah, New York yeah, yeah. Times cartoonist and they're really funny. He does a very good job the with problem them. I'm having with satire and this is why I dislike Stephen Colbert for so long with his old show, his satire show is that there's so much lying going on right now in the universe mm. that I need honesty and I can't the people that I, if the people I trust start saying things that aren't true just for an effect, I gotta disengage. I can't listen to that stuff or, or respect it. Interesting. Let's talk about CNN, my friends. We have this story from Axios. CNN Plus looks doomed. <laughs> um, where should we get the cake from? Yeah, you know, and, and when's, the, when's the party? Sunday. Yeah. Sunday. No, for real. Let's Maybe we can get Chris Wallace to bake it for us. <laughs> all right. Here's the story, my friends. From Axios, they say Warner Brothers Discovery has suspended all external marketing spend for CNN Plus and has laid off CNN's longtime chief financial officer as it weighs what to do with the subscription streaming service moving forward. Now, now hold on. Everybody was saying they had 10,000 subscribers. No, they had 10,000 daily active users. Axio says they have 150,000 subscribers so far. Let me just put that in some numbers for you. If they're getting between three and six dollars, we're looking at between you know, like what eight around eight million maybe they're making per month. Now they spent I think 250 million to set it up. So they're deep in the hole and not going to recover that anytime soon. Certainly not as much as they thought it would be, but still a lot of money. Mm. That being said, my friends, if you think we're better than them, please go to TimCast.com. Become <laughs> members because um, we sh- we should have more than that. We yes. don't, but we should. But um, we, you know, it's it's all a growth. It's growth. The more members we get, the more people we hire, the bigger we get. CNN Plus should not be doing as well as they're doing. They are, of course. They're still doing so abysmally bad. They're probably going to get Wait, you know, do, nuked. Do you see the bottom line of that right there? 
Sources say a plan is being considered to replace Chris Cuomo's 9 p.m. Eastern primetime slot with a live newscast. And I love how they describe this newscast instead of a personality driven (laughs) perspective programming. Wow. Good. Yeah. Perspective programming. You know, you know, we we, we thought about that, too, here at TimCast. We were like, why have this Tim Pool guy host a show with conversation? Let's just hire Chris Cuomo and have him, you know. Yeah. Talk to people. That, that would make way more. So I would. I would love to have Chris Cuomo on if he was like actually talking. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean. This sounds so. Warner Brothers owns CNN. They're just basically pumping massive amounts of marketing into it to get a hundred thousand people to subscribe to their thing. But I mean, is that that indicates nothing to whether or not it's good or valuable? Yeah, it's not I, good. I, I'm going to sound. The, the, so, sorry, the issue mm-hmm. isn't the one hundred fifty thousand subs. It's that only ten thousand people on average use it per day, which is like per day. That's twenty four hours. So. Think about that. In 24 hours, about 400, every hour, about 400 people or so. Are, are, is that, is that, is that, is that right? That's like a, that's like an average telegram chat room, you know, kind of right. thing. I, I mean, the, I actually do think I have more people in my telegram chat actively uh, on a regular basis than that. And I know I do not market or pay for anything. Like I would that. like to see the ratio of other companies that have subscription models, like how many subscribers Timcast has versus how many people <laughs> land on it every day. Same with Netflix. But that's apples to oranges. Well, you get, you get an idea of the ratio of how many people actually pay for it and how many people actually watch it. And that's, that number is pretty important. Yeah. I'm, I was going to mention this earlier. I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but I still don't understand how CNN saw that they were doing abysmally in the ratings and thought, you know what? We're going to get people to pay for this. Huh, yeah. Why you would anyone more be willing to subscribe? It? Don't I mean, like, watch. yeah, it's like, it's free at the airport. That's why no, people not, watch not, it. Not, not anymore. At, yeah. They've been at the airports for Oh a while. my gosh. Yeah, so that's gone. all right. Well, maybe that's why yeah. they're doing so poorly. I'll tell, I'll tell you what happened is they had a meeting and this is my opinion and went, Hey, why are our ratings so bad among millennials? And some marketing guy was like, because millennials are <laughs> oh, watching boy. streaming services. And they were like, if we launch a streaming service, we'll get millennials. I'll tell you, I bet the real issue. Is that of those 150 subscribers, it's like 149 people who are 55 or older. You know what this is like? This is like Quibi. You remember Quibi? Yeah. That thing that was around for like five minutes. Microsoft. But somehow got the Reno 911. So the idea was that it was micro streaming. So they're like, hey, what if, and they had like these short Reno 911 episodes, which are actually pretty good, but they would only give you a little bit of it. So it was like, what do people love? Well, they love being on their phones. And what else did they love? They love short videos. So let's make a company that's all about programmed, scripted short videos and deliver it to your phone. It was a complete failure. Nobody liked it because that's not organic social media content, right? People want either like live form stuff like this, not scripted, direct interaction, actual human engagement with, you know, like actual humans. Um, obviously, Ian is, you know, kind of uh, a robot questionable in that sense. But, um, but you know, we accept you as you are. And, Thanks, and it was just an abysmal failure because again, you could, that was Jeffrey Katzenberg, by the way, was behind that. Um, the, the former DreamWorks and Disney guy who you could tell had some meeting and say like, what are the kids like today? Oh, stream video. Let's do that. But on the phone, it'll be great. I thought, I thought Microsoft talks, it's a direct uh, investment that I could be wrong about that. The I'm reality was that. that nobody likes CNN. Yes. That CNN was like, maybe the issue is that we're not in the right place. And now they're probably, you know, I, I hope they cried. I hope someone at CNN <laughs> like sat there and was just like, I thought that if we made they it cried. out, they'd watch. But they really just yeah, don't I, like us. That's a good point, Jack. 
the, the, the modern media now, the whole like one way media stream is kind of, that's what's dying off. It's turning into a two way thing. If you can't sub- talk to your subscribers and vice versa, then it's, no one wants. I actually had a really. It's, I, I don't think that it's just that it's one way or two way. I agree that that could have something to do with it, but it's also the fact that they're an unreliable network. They report garbage. They don't have an interesting perspective that anyone wants to hear. That's a good point. Cause Netflix yeah. is one way for the most part and they're, Flying, yeah, you know, that's what had an excellent. No, Netflix uh, is not fine. They're just no flying. Oh yeah, they said, tanked today. Uh, okay, yeah, they, they tanked massively. Did anyone figure out why they're that losing was? subscribers? What's happening? They're losing. See, subscribers. Well, they're all going to CNN Plus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How are we going to compete? Oh, it's taxed because they can't afford taxes, so people are cutting their subscriptions. Probably. Oh my no, no, they're no, probably no, moving. No. We'll, we'll get to that in a second, but uh, but I, I wanted to throw up a, a really good, really good text in that kind of actually uh, from a buddy of mine who shall remain nameless right now. Um, but a guy I used to work with in my old job, if that makes any sense. And it said they had to lift the airline mandates because it was becoming too obvious that only LA, LA, New York City, and the capital city still care about COVID. The rest of the country has moved on to gas prices and food shortages, and .gov employees are still worried about the flu. Their distance from their subjects has become so far that, that to convince them that it is still a democracy, they needed to drop the mandate. Democracy. For democracy, folks. Yeah. For democracy. But I think, weird, well, the, I think the people, weird thing is to still see these blue check journalists be like, "Everyone, we should start suing the airlines." Right. I know no, for, for what? Like, because, for they're, what? They're, because they're like, "You agreed there would be masks when I got on this plane, and now you're taking them off." And it's like, "Well, that was the government." Yo, like, I looked I, up I um, this. Netflix stock. The first story: Netflix loses subscribers. Tanks from CNN. Hmm. Their new competitor. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. So, what were we talking about? Masks. Something yeah, about what we were going to talk about why you know where we think the subscribers are going from Netflix, no, we're talking, and them lifting the and mandates. then I was talking about masks. Yeah, yeah we were talking about masks. What, so the Biden administration, the by the way, this just broke before the the um, the show went live. The Biden administration has announced that right now, in a midterm election year, they are actually going to be fighting to reinstate the mask mandates. Oh in yeah, really? That's in so in federal court. So we we have we we have people who are actively calling for. That's what we're talking about suing uh, airlines because the mask mandates got lifted. The, 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 the this is all come this all comes together. You were mentioning being out of touch with their subjects, right? The CNN is on in, in line with this narrative on Twitter, which exists yes. among like three percent of the population. That when the masks come off, everyone's screaming and cheering, but CNN is on the side of like, this is really bad, you know? Right. People should be upset by this, and regular people are like, why would I watch your show? I, that does not relate to me. Who cares? Well, I don't know. To, I mean, I think people not wearing masks is a threat to our democracy. How so? See that? I think, see that I think CNN that perspective for, right for, there? For boom. democracy, we need an unelected bureaucratic doctor um, who's never, you know, been elected to dog catcher in his life to be making decisions for all 315 million Thank Americans. You. Is that Fauci? Um, you know, someone who, yeah, you know, happened? a bespeckled, you know, elfish <laughs> elderly man. That's true democracy. Is he still around though? Tim, that's true. Because democracy. I, I leaving because voicemails. If, yeah. If he, yeah. if he has, has he left any voicemails recently? Let's, yeah, can we give us an update? Le- left some, there's a freedom tunes video that reported a bunch of voicemails he left on uh, MSNBC's answering machine. Yeah. That was good. The idea being that Fauci is just out of the media now for some reason. 
Mm-hmm. That's funny. I wonder if he's going to come I'll, back. I'll give the media that much. They recognized Fauci's out, and he's not. He's, he's like well, doing the podcast of the kid who lives next door and stuff. Well, instead of like regular media. It's just it's funny because Tim, you, you sort of mentioned that. It, well, actually, no, you mentioned this that in a midterm election year, they're saying they're going to fight to reinstate the mandates. It is very bizarre because they've known that that's a losing issue for a little while now, and everything's going so poorly. It's almost like they're just flailing around trying to do anything. They're not even thinking strategy. When you're that low in the polls, when you're just sinking, you're drowning, you're 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 flailing your Look, limbs they saw everywhere. That you're 30... not actually making calculated motions. They're like, we've got 33% left. How do we destroy <laughs> the last? Them. Speaking of which, or I can't believe I forgot. Or... I literally I uploaded a cartoon about this today. You guys check it out. It's called The Democrats' Brilliant Midterm Strategy. Or Freedom the Tunes. lockdowns are coming back. Philadelphia, mm-hmm. brought, Philadelphia. The, uh, brought the mask mandates back. Yep. And we'll see. I said end of last year the, ma- the lockdowns are going to come back. Luke said that wouldn't that wouldn't happen. I said they would. Once it started getting lifted, I was like, I guess Luke was right. I was wrong. But now I'm kind of like, hearing mm, that. I don't know. No, I, I and I, I had reported this and people, you know, got all mad at me because they were discussing this in the White House, um, returning the, ma- the masks or excuse me, returning the lockdowns that they kind of the impetus for that. And then Biden was even going to do a whole speech about it. That basically got flipped into the nationwide vaccine mandate speech. Mm-hmm. But it was essentially the same type of rhetoric. They just switched it from lockdowns into vaccines. But this whole idea of, you know, we're in this together. He keeps they keep talking about it. Um, Ron Klain, the White House press um, or excuse me, the White House chief of staff keeps referring to this as like his, um, you know, his FDR moment. Everything's his FDR moment. Right. From this to Ukraine to whatever else. He's, you know, he's the new FDR. He's the new FDR, except he can't get anything past. Let's talk about Jack Dorsey um, and CNN. This is from The Hill. Jack Dorsey says he saw CNN try to create conflict in, Fer- in Ferguson. Tim, you were in Ferguson. Yeah, and I would, I, would, I would say I believe Jack Dorsey is right. Now, can I say I witnessed whatever it is he saw? No. Okay. What I can say is CNN was there on the ground, and I would describe it as problematic. And it was Jake Tapper, right? Oh, everyone was there. Oh, wow. There was that – who's that portly woman in the, in the pink dress? Yamich. Oh, no, she's not with CNN. My bad. I don't no, remember. no, she's um, – I can't remember her name. But she's like standing on the street and then the gunshots start ringing out. And mm-hmm. she goes, oh, 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 oh. And it's like, what are you doing? Move. People are shooting guns. But no, um, Don Lemon reported there was no tear gas while I was getting tear gassed. So I'm just like, if Jack Dorsey were to tell me that, I'd be like, yeah. Because when the big news crews came down to West Florissant, I heard one journalist say – Something he was he was talking to someone and then the part of the conversation I heard was well I'm just here for networking it's a great opportunity or something like that wow because like all like you know I think Anderson Cooper was there at some point I'm not sure but uh, if if Jack Dorsey says he saw that I'd be like that's that's about in line with the with the uh, BS I saw them doing like f- crappy reporting no security just flailing all over the place getting things wrong and I would not be surprised if they were trying to egg things on. Because I've also seen in other instances of protests, news crews ask protesters to pose for them. Hmm. And that's essentially what he's saying. But then, the, but then instead of the, do they have the actual phrasing up there? Because um, I think what he was saying oh, yeah, something so, about like they asked them to pose. I watched them try to create conflict in filming it, causing the protesters to chant FCNN. So it right. seems like it's you know, and this is the way I'm reading it because it's it's worded kind of weirdly. But it sounds like he's saying they were trying to pose the protesters, and instead the protesters turned on CNN. And he, and this was all in reference to Brian Stelter said, Tucker Carlson is always selling the same thing in reference to an analytical piece in the Washington Post that said Fox News was selling doubt. 
Dorsey responded, and you are all selling hope. Huh. Mm. And then people were like, hey, he's selling the truth. Jack went off like yeah he's well Tim you you've spent you know and I've been meaning to pick your brain about this you know you've spent obviously uh, several hours with Mr. Dorsey on on a famous um, interview slash debate you saw that viral video that I sent you that um, (laughs) this morning where where you where where Tim asks uh, Vijaya of of the safety and policy of safety and trust team on Twitter um, would Twitter allow someone to spread. Uh, what's considered misinformation about no, no, vaccines. No, no. I said, would you, I, 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 so I could be wrong, but I think it was, would you allow someone to share information about vaccines that could be wrong and maybe get someone hurt? Right. And they said, that's not a violation of she our rules. She said, that's no. not a violation of our Ooh. rules. Did not yeah, age 20, well. 2019. Yeah, it was years ago. But point being that um, you spent all that time with her and Jack Dorsey. So what is your take on this? You know, people are calling it the Dorsey redemption arc. But well, I've been calling it that. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> couple things um maybe you know jack said a whole bunch of really great things when i was when i when i went there and, and met with him the first he did he, he was telling me before the show he was like i want decentralized immutable social media on the blockchain and i said whoa that, that's beyond what i'm even talking about did i'm just saying don't ban people for saying naughty words you're saying like everything you ever post will be forever and i'm like you started shaming him. You're like, that. You, there needs to be more regulation on Twitter, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, I'm on the other side of that one. I was like, I, I, Murray Rothbard. <laughs> yeah, I think people should be allowed to remove it. It shouldn't be permanent. But um, afterwards, we talked about path to redemption. Never happened. And after a little while, I was like, all of these things that Jack keeps talking about, he never does. That he could do, he won't do. So I don't trust him. I don't believe him. He's the CEO. What's going on? If, if he really believed in it, he'd come out and be like, guys, here's why it can't be done. Here's what I'm struggling with. But he keeps things a secret. It could be that as CEO, he was tied up and couldn't make these moves. I wonder, I mean, he's a billionaire. At what point does he just be like, I don't need to be a billionaire, dude. I can be a hundred millionaire or a 10 millionaire and I'm going to tell people the truth. I think he's probably on an NDA or non-compete clause of some sort. What's the worst case scenario? They sue him to oblivion. What does oblivion mean? I don't know. Take all his net wealth away. They can't take all of it away. He'll be rich but that, forever. That's his yeah, point. But what's the, why would he, I don't think he's ready to make that sacrifice, but I know what you mean, but I, I don't think he's going to go. That's fine. That's fine. There. Jack, it is, it is my opinion that Jack, he, he tweeted out so much to be said that can't be said or something to that effect. Okay. Then either he prefers to be really rich as, as opposed to help fix the problems, or he doesn't think telling the truth would actually do anything of value, so he won't say it anyway. So that, that idea that he's talked about before, also in 2019, because I was kind of um, uh, tweet mining his, his timeline for stuff that he said in the past about this, and his idea for decentralizing Twitter was more than just Twitter itself. It was actually the idea of turning Twitter into an internet protocol. And so the idea being is that, and if you remember the original origin story, and I think all, a lot of these like tech origin stories are kind of like come from a marketing department as opposed to what's actually happened. But the idea was that it was supposed to be just sort of this open group text or an open chat room. And that was the reason for the character limit. So that it was a chat room that you could share with anybody who had access and they followed you and they could get in, right? And so the idea being that it was based off of SMS, it was based off of text message technology. So that's obviously an open protocol. So if you have an Android and I have an iPhone, I can text you, you can text me, we're across platforms. The idea then for this, for a decentralized protocol based on Twitter then, open source. So let's say you have, you know, let's say you use Getter, let's say you use Truth, let's say whatever, like whatever social media you're using Truth. that's on this, um, there are people who are on it, um, that 
and Twitter that you would be able to interact with people across the platforms that I could see those posts if I followed that person, even if they weren't expressly on my platform. Yeah, that's what we're building with our charity or well, the charity that we're getting revved up at the moment. That's completely the future of the internet. I, I think Jack's wanted so it, it, but he's been a protocol t- and you can't, yeah, you can't. Yeah, it's a, it's a piece that. of software that no one controls. It's just a decentralized software unit. It's just like inverted email. Imagine you'd go to the firehose, the feed, whatever. Right. Anyone can host it. <clears throat> your account is your own website. So people wouldn't follow, you know, at Timcast. They would follow, you know, at Timcast.com or whatever. And then all of my tweets and videos are on my own website. But if you're following on the decentralized app, you can see those things. I think that's the future because then no one can ban you. You're just in, you're just there on the internet. And people can subscribe, kind of like RSS. Mm-hmm. All we got to do is, is build it. No, it, it, it's exactly like RSS. Yeah, right. RSS yeah. 3.0. That was that was yeah. the beginning of the idea. It, it's becoming different with what we're working on with everybody. Um, and I'm not ready to announce exactly what it is yet, but it's it's very very close to an alpha. So he teed up something, uh, Dorsey, in a, in a recent tweet um, that they do have a project called like Blue Sky. I think it's it's been out for a while. And, and yeah. um, you know, I've, I've DM'd in this in this. This is this is the thing. I've DM'd with him so often. You know, over the years, like not all the time, but enough talking about stuff like this that I just I was like, this dude's just lying because he's going to say these things publicly. And he's like, we're working on blue sky and then nothing happens. It's remarkable because which sound great. They all sound great. Dude, if I if I had one tenth of Jack Dorsey's wealth, it'd be done. It would be it would, you'd have an alpha in a few months. Well, you need developers. Even even yeah, I mean everybody's looking billions for billions of yeah, dollars. Yeah, but money isn't a developer. You need to find the people that do it. Dude, come on. If I And if then we, you got to find people that like each other that want to work together. That's true, but if you had 20 million dollars to spend on the project, it would it would be an alpha within come on, 6 months. I don't months. know, man. You could throw a lot of money at a group of people and get nothing. So Dude, it's be, been you, 3 years. It's all about it's been but, years. But what they need is organization. I know people with lots of money, they need people to organize and do it. Right. If you are worth $20 million, you can do it. Ian, are you extending your services to Jack Dorsey? I'm doing it for free, baby. Jack, that, that, join us, Jack. It's, it's, it's like, you know, we're trying to set up a nonprofit that has no money to get this going, and it's taking forever to get the filings, but it's been like six months, and there's people already working on it. Yeah, so I don't know what they're doing at Blue Sky, but three years on, I'm like, Jack, I really don't believe you're working on this. I wonder what he's doing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's whispering sweet nothings into your ears. You want to know what he's doing? Here's what people are saying. Elon Musk might take over Twitter. All of a sudden, Jack Dorsey comes out as this rogue figure who's like, I've had enough. It's time to be honest and tell the truth. And now people on the right are going to be like, yeah, you go, Jack. And then Jack's like, we don't need Elon. I'm here. And then once Elon gets pushed out, Elon Jack's going to be like, okay, so let's um start censoring everybody Here's again. The thing. And- if we need to censor everyone on Twitter all the time. I, you We're not j- being censored. You got to do that Twitter's with. Jack I wasn't. I wasn't looking at you when you That's started it. that, and I thought that was Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he was actually sitting in me. the other chair the whole time, and we just Somehow. didn't know. We so how did I, how so did I miss quiet. the nose ring? I, 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 here's look, the thing. But I, I've asked I Jack. Like, to, I've, I've asked Jack to come on a couple times. He always has like yes at some point. Hell yeah, he's busy. I'd, I'd love to actually have him talk about these things. The, the issue is now's the time. The first time he went on Joe Rogan. Joe had a huge backlash. He got all these right. thumbs down because Jack was just saying garbage nonsense. And then they didn't actually get to the core of the issues. Then when I go on with Jack, Vijaya, and Joe, they didn't, I, I, they did not expect to get these questions that, that I had for them because they probably assumed it was going to be like some right wing dude just being like, why'd you ban Milo? And instead we had like 
philosophical questions about, you know, the ethics of the rules and the worldviews and things like this. All of the things they said, they're just spinning. They're spinning a tail. Yeah, I think he's because yeah. he's on the board. He has like a he can't disparage the company, so he can't really say a fiduciary duty. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, we were talking about this earlier in the show, but he likes it, being it a billionaire. Goes more than into it goes into what Tim you were saying a second ago, which is that as soon as somebody on the left who has been our enemy for virtually their entire time in public life says something remotely sensible, we go yes. This person is speaking truth. We love them. And look, when someone says something that's true, we should absolutely celebrate the fact that they've they've said something true. But you can't just start looking up to these people as heroes. They've really got to earn it by showing results. He, um, he unfortunately, out, he hasn't. He said, I think at one point, that he realizes now that he was part of the problem of creating big tech. He was like, you know, he really wanted a free speech network, and he did it, but he didn't, you know, he made some pitfalls. Like, with Chris Pavlovsky, you're out there, like, what pitfalls to avoid? He went public. That's a pitfall. Be careful. He made his code private. Be careful. That's a pitfall, because then people can control it when you're no longer there and you don't have access to it anymore so he's made those mistakes and he and i think the great thing about jack is he, he's like been through the gauntlet and he that'd be why he's a great interview well this yeah, is look, the this is the the, the, the theory honest. that he's you know this is like dr frankenstein and frankenstein's monster right you know i want to create life i want to help people but instead i create this thing that ends up causing more harm than good yeah no i'm i am not saying anything uh, about dorsey what he's done whether he is uh you know i i just want to make assumptions in good faith and say he does mean what he's saying unless it's proven otherwise but conservatives can't jump on the he's great horse right without seeing some actual results i'll, I'll throw this out there you know I, I i love twitter right i'm coming up on it'll be 10 years that i've been on twitter next month and it wow. is it is clearly the the simplest most efficient mass communication system that's ever been invented in the history of mankind right and jack dorsey was part of that so like everything else i'll start i'll always start with that he's made me realize i've been on twitter for i think 13 years yeah 13 years like i I just wanted to go back to the way it was without all this extra stuff that's it that's literally it when it was the free speech wing of the well, it yeah. seemed nice, but it was still proprietary. They were still spying on you. It always seems nice in the beginning, and then they started. Yeah, but you, but Alex Jones was there, and he was funny. Well, Jones never actually posted himself. That was always staff. But I just mean like his videos. His were, videos were there, you know. yeah. But so and you could, they, un- they, and if you didn't like it, you could unfollow it. Yeah, you block him or block. Now it. it's just, Mute, it's become so great boring. Yeah, it's, I, you, it's know, so you, I, you guys want to know the truth? You want you want to know what, what all that Twitter really is to me? Is I follow news organizations, journalists, and personalities. And so I'll see like Reuters tweet something. And then when I retweet a news story, this is usually in the past month or so, it's just like reminding myself of the story right. so I can go back and look for it later. I don't care to interact for the most part. I will sometimes, or I'll just post garbled nonsense because it's hilarious how triggered and riled up everybody get. like, uh, gets. I tweeted, schools should have religious studies because, you know, <laughs> grade schools, because kids have questions and, and yes, teachers should, should give answers and the teacher should tell the students to keep it a secret from their parents. Like, I just like posting things like that. So the, the importance, though, of Twitter is because it it serves as a narrative bottleneck, um, particularly for the West. Um, you can see this most predominantly right now with the war in Ukraine, that the opinion makers and the opinion making, it all starts on Twitter. So then that filters down to whether it be CNN Plus, whether it be Netflix, there's been... Um, examples of tv shows that were saved just because they had great you know twitter followings um and from a geopolitical geostrategic uh, standpoint we've seen that so much of this comes off of twitter um meanwhile you know to use ukraine as an example because so much stuff gets censored if you're on telegram it's like you're watching a completely different narrative 
because it's unfiltered on there. Now, obviously, sure, there's going to be bad actors on both sides, but Telegram is uncensored and it's very heavily focused on that, whereas Twitter is heavily censored or Twitter is heavily censored. And you're getting a completely different narrative there. Let's let's uh, let's jump back to Netflix. We have this story from CNBC. Netflix shares crater 25 percent after company reports it lost subscribers for the first time in more than 10 years. Get woke, go broke. That's it. Netflix. I mean, they've done some things that are good, but I think the narrative, the machine, it's it's fumbling. It's bumbling. It's falling apart. Regular people are tuning into shows like this. The media landscape is heavily diversifying. People are sick and tired of the machine. They want something real and authentic. Isn't it interesting how poorly tech companies seem to be aging over the past 10 or 20 years? Yeah. I mean, everyone yes. everyone says, I loved Netflix when it first started. Now it's absolutely awful. Same with Facebook, same mm-hmm. with Twitter, basically every social media company. It's because the CIA, is my guess, is that intelligence agencies are, are webbed in with these things and making them do stuff and give information away and, and spying it. And when the codes aren't, the algorithms aren't free software, like, copyleft licenses like AGPL3, you have no way of verifying that. These people, they may look like they're being run by the people that own the company, but they're being run by BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street. Well, and you look at, you know, you look at something like Netflix, and it's funny you mention that because I always point out that, so, you know, what's the World Economic Forum slogan, that whole you'll own nothing and be happy? Well, when's the last time you actually bought a movie? Like a physical actual yep. movie that you own and now i know some people out there that are total cinephiles and will go get they'll get the 4k you know or the blu-ray and they want it they want to have that in their system but i think for the vast majority of people we all switched to renting movies and then streaming movies that we do not own that we do not control so there's this big uh, i guess controversy about the new harry potter prequel because there's i guess a gay scene or a gay line in it that got edited out of the chinese version it's like six seconds or something right but my point is though is when it comes to netflix or amazon prime or any of these things if there's something that's in an old scene of a movie or a scene in in an old movie that they want excised out, if they want changed, if they want removed, they can just go in and do that. And if you don't own a physical copy of the original film, you're never going to know. And here's the even better part. If you never had a copy of the film, you wouldn't even know. Yeah, exactly. And that happens with some uh, films. Chinese Fight Club, they well, did it. Oh, I, I was unaware. They changed I, the ending. Well, there are other films, too, where it's not even necessarily done for political reasons. So, for example, in The Last of the Mohicans, you can't really find copies of that film that aren't the director's cut. So the theatrical release is only available on VHS, which is really annoying. Well, this is a, Star so, Wars is like that. Yes, that's also true. And so even when it's not done for political reasons, some, sometimes you just want to watch the actual original version of the film. But you're absolutely correct that when it comes to looking back on media from the past and saying that was deeply offensive and insensitive. We have to change it. They're not going to be above doing so that. So we were, we were watching, um, the, uh, the original DuckTales with my kids and, um, just going through, cranking through the old DuckTales TV show from the nineties, you know, eighties, nineties, great, great thing. And I wasn't doing it on Disney plus and no, I'm not going to say which site I used. Um, but I realized, cause we're just going through episode by episode, there's a whole episode about a civil war reenactment. And in this episode, uh, Launchpad plays on the side of the rebels and they're in gray and there are Confederate flags all over this episode oh from so the nineties. The, the show's off the air right now. Oh, okay. Our internet is working just fine. Oh. But, uh, no one can see anything. 
I can still use the internet. I can still chat. I'm, I know exactly why this is happening too. Hmm. I you, just, said, you said the forbidden name. You think? That worked. It worked. YouTube took us down. I just got a message from our tech guys that we may be having internet issues. The so, internet's working just fine. I can see the bit rate is up. I can load websites. I can use my phone. But, uh, you know, I'm, I think we're we'll still just live. Not repeat it. I'm seeing live. No, th- th- there's, there's no show. You're still not live? No, not live. Interesting. Show's frozen. Show All is right, frozen. Well, let's keep it rolling yeah. for the people yeah. on TimCast.com. For the podcast. And Rumble. Sure. Yeah. See, this is why you guys so got to be So for those that are listening on the other podcast. Mea culpa. Mea culpa. On YouTube, we're down. We got to go to Rumble anyway. Fuck YouTube. Fuck the, uh, fuck uh, the, the spy network's bullshit. <laughs> So you can say the name of libs of TikTok. You still can't swear. Well, I can do whatever I want. I mean, you're, I'm still family friendly show. We we still put this up on not on YouTube. So yeah, but now we have to flag it as explicit when it goes up. All right, I won't. (laughs) Thanks, Ian. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Ian Crossland. Yeah, that's crazy. So I have it pulled up on my computer, and it is it is just buffering on Ian. Yeah, but our our stream's working. I still see the chat too. Yeah, yeah chat's working, internet's working, everything's working, but the show's not up. So I'm getting a message that we may have to switch over to a different network. I don't know if that matters, mm. Mm. but uh, we will try. So the, the the issue is that our internet is working, the stream is going up, but YouTube is not putting the show out. Guys, we're just gonna have to talk and chat then. This was it. It was the breaking point. I was like Vanguard, have, State have, Street, BlackRock. They were like, have, they just yeah, okay. too, like, we no have no other networks so available. Uh, can you? Can they? Can they? Are they yeah, doing it? Yeah, they're working on it right now. Of course. Wait, I've got it. Yeah, it's, it's gonna on. it's gonna yeah, freeze on fr- me. With oh wait, yeah, never mind. Yeah, there's a delay. Yep, freezes on Ian making the okay sign. That's oh, what it was. Moment I touched my finger to my thumb. Oh, They're no. like, look at this. Ian. You know, honestly, I thought this is. A, I think it's. A, it was inevitable. Oh, we're back on. Oh, the stream is back. What's up, everybody? Did they, did they switch the network? No, over? that's that's live because that's me holding the phone right now. I believe now. we're back. Give us a one in chat if you can hear us. Wait, we this are is back. this is weird because I'm watching. Oh, we're, we are back. I'm we're actually back. watching. My, wait, infinity, 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 <laughs> infinity <laughs> loop, conspiracy infinity theorists. Loop. <laughs> hey, everybody! Sorry about that blip. But how many frames did it drop? I'm not sure. Oh, it looks like we were down for a few amount. minutes, but your chat was still rolling. So, was it, so you guys when I was talking about Ducktales in the old episode yeah, about the a certain uh, red and blue flag with an X that was carried by a gray uniformed army. <laughs> Don't huh. say naughty words. I know. Right? Uh, let me just I just say for everybody who's listening, um, smash the like button. Yes. Subscribe to TimCast.com. The full version and the weird minute or so, I think it was like two minutes that dropped yeah. off, will be in the podcast version. But uh, our internet didn't go out. So our internet didn't yeah. go out. We were, I, was, I, I, I don't know if you guys saw me post in the chat. Everything was working, but on YouTube's so end, something was not going through. Weird. Now, this has happened in the past where we've been talking about something and um, related to China, and we've had weird YouTube oh, yeah. drop us off. We are hey, the age of cyber war is upon us. You never know who's who's got effective, you know, fingers in the pot. If you can hear me, smash the like button, everyone. It's Quick. the only way we'll know. Let exactly. us know. We need to know. I, I don't, is honestly, anybody out there? Is, is the like button even like just to anything? just to finish know. the story for uh, for for my own autistic purposes? Um, <laughs> that that episode of Ducktales on Disney Plus was removed. Mm. Okay, which one, which one was it again? Remind me because I'm about the Confederacy. Red, red army. Oh, red, red flag, gray we army. Were, uh, we were in wow. Tennessee, and it was yeah. funny. We were at a gas station. And and there was like the gas station sell the Confederate flags and it, they call it the rebel flag. Right. And there's like it's just like funny seeing like a little girl holding it up smiling like on the bag just because of the way the left frames it and the way they freak out. But like when you go to Tennessee or these <laughs> other states, it's like totally normal. And 
not even that big of a deal to anybody there. Yeah, we saw so one like, oh, yeah. flying on a hill on the way back from Tennessee. I was like, what you is know, happening? That's wild. I want to take a moment to really appreciate the technology that we have right now, this amazing streaming technology, cameras, microphones, the ability to communicate across the world in the blink of an eye with someone from their home. Because like you can see, just because we have it now doesn't mean we're always going to or that we always may. Take advantage of it while you have it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, don't don't take it for granted. That's for sure. Yeah, agreed. We can unify a lot of people. I was thinking about Hitler and how he was obsessed with unification. So we got to unify correctly. And I think the why the founding fathers had it right because it was a group of them doing it together. It wasn't one person. I just noticed that we got a ton of people smashing the like button. So I should I should I should do a better. I can't tell if you can hear me. Uh, become a member at timcast.com <laughs> if you can hear me. It's the only way we'll know. That's right. I'm like people actually did smash the That's like button. Great, Thank you yeah. so much. Uh, what, sorry, what were you saying? Oh, the just that we, we're right people. on the verge of doing something really great for society if we work together. I, I think it's easy to grow a cult group of people like as a YouTuber for yourself, but you gotta remember the dictatorship type thing doesn't work. If we're gonna use this technology for good, we gotta do it together. Speaking of, uh, cult YouTubers, did we play the, uh, which one? Mr. No Advertisers. Oh, oh, yeah. oh my yeah. gosh. This is nuts. So good. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So sad. Yeah. Wow. Just, just, um, just, where just, is just also, awful. We'll base and, our freedom and, around a constitution, not around people. Yes, of course. The United All States right. is not a democracy. It so, is a constitutional ladies Republican. and gentlemen, it is with the uh, utmost um, remorse mm. and respect mm -hmm. that we mention Ethan Klein of the H3 podcast announced. Is this clip from today? I believe so. In, in a clip that was posted today, he has no sponsors Whoa. because... He is an existential threat to gay people. In his own words, I believe. In his own words. I would like to play for you this clip from the H3, from the H3 TV uh, video. Here we go. I'll just say this. Let it's me fix the audio. I'm very thankful to our members. It makes this show oh, kind of uh, bulletproof. No, Sorry, Gary Stans. Here we go. Today we have no sponsors because uh, uh, I am an existential threat to uh, gay rights and all progress. So, of course, our wonderful uh, fans have taken it upon themselves to read all of our sponsors and um, to have them uh, can't uh, not sponsor or not to uh, support us. So, we are... Um, I'm very, you know, I'll just say this. It's a, I'm very thankful to our members. It makes this show kind of, uh, bulletproof to stuff like this, even though it's painful and emotionally. It just doesn't, it's just painful that, you know, people would do that. Okay. I, I want to say a few things. Um, first, Ethan is correct about members, and that's why we're, we set, we, I, I wish we set up the website years ago, but you, you, you learn when you learn. And had I known what I know now, I would have been like, that was, that should have been the first thing we did. Because once they started, I mean, the censorship was a big problem for a while. We had videos taken down. That's why we, we, we dedicated to this. I will say that, um, you know, Ethan mentions in the clip, you expect more from the sponsors, and, uh, he's right. He's right about that too. You do. You do. But um, I will also add, I genuinely do feel bad for Ethan. I think he doesn't understand what he's involved in. I think he didn't, he doesn't know what the world's become. I think he's genuinely been lost this whole time. Mm. So let's go back in time to January when Ethan Klein deleted episodes with, with he had with Jordan Peterson. He clearly did this because he was panicking about getting canceled. 
He doesn't want his business to fall apart. So he's just like, okay, fine, dude, I'll do whatever I have to. Ethan, you should have just stood by your principles, which is edgy comedy, free speech, and having conversations with people. We have never had one of our show sponsors cancel on us, pull out on us. In fact, the first sponsor that I had ever had on YouTube, Virtual Shield, sponsors us to this day. Mm. No issues, despite all the controversies, the lies, the smears, the manipulation. And I will stand by what we believe in and what we say. And I'm not going to play these stupid games. Ethan started playing the games, getting scared, panicking. He chose to get into business with these companies. And now he is sitting there saying, it sucks. I have no sponsor. Well, look, man, you got to stand up for yourself. You can't let these people push you around. You should not have taken down the Jordan Peterson episode because you look duplicitous. You look like you're lying and you look desperate. And so I I hope it works out. But hey, man, I can only say if you want to get in bed with people who will who will uh, uh, push you off that uh, metaphorical uh, cliff at any moment, well, then I can only say like, you should have you should have prepared for this. You should have expected it. You mm-hmm. knew it was going to happen. If imagine this, imagine if Ethan Klein, instead of deleting the Jordan Peterson episode, came out and said, "They're telling me if I don't delete this episode, they're going to pull my sponsors. Pull them. I will not take down the conversation I had with Dr. Peterson." Imagine how much he'd be supported. Oh, you got a hundred thousand more followers that they, subscribe to his network. All New I members. can say is, I hate to say, I told you so, mm-hmm. Ian. If you had just embodied the Ethan. archetypal hero, oh my goodness, I've been sitting across from this fellow for too long. Apologize for that error. I hate to say I told you so, Ethan. If he, here's what he did. He said to the people who try to threaten you by having your sponsors taken that he will comply. Yep. He said, yes, if you are somebody who is sponsoring my work, I will dilute my message and walk back things I've said in the past once you've told me not to. You're, you're inviting control mm-hmm. at that point. And also, I want to point out that when you cultivate a fan base full of people who would cancel someone, guess what happens to you eventually? You get canceled. Mm. It's not that complicated. If if uh, uh, I, I feel like this is a guy who got started doing edgy comedy on Reddit and YouTube, yes. and things like that. And then as times went on, he thought, I just better say what they're saying. The problem is, once again, this is not mainstream America. He is bending the knee to weirdos. Jordan Peterson is popular among regular people. The people who don't like him are the fringe weirdos. Regular people do like him. So when you say, I'm going to take it down because he's a bad guy, you got tricked. Ethan Klein got tricked. And now what's he going to do? You know, I'm seeing everyone on the right mock him and and, and they're laughing about it. Jordan Peterson told him that eventually he'd be held to a standard. Uh, um, by the very mob he wishes to, he currently wishes to please, then you will make a mistake and they will devour you with glee. Please take this warning seriously. I liked you. Huh. Ethan should not have sided with those seeking to destroy. He should have sided with those seeking to protect and to develop. Because if he came out and said, I liked talking to Dr. Peterson on more than one occasion. I may not agree with everything he has to say, but we have to defend our right to say these things. Then they'd be like, we're going to harass your sponsors. And he'd be like, okay. And then people on the right would be like, we got sponsors for you, buddy. Don't worry. We appreciate you standing by your principles and doing your thing. But too too much, Ethan, has been drifting into just saying whatever the left wants. And and look at what happens. You know, he did that thing with Hassan. You want you want you want to live with people 
Like you want to work with people who will destroy you in two seconds? By all means, you go ahead and do it. But I don't know. I don't know what I can do for you when your life is destroyed by these very people. We can supply technology that you can use, Ethan, in the future for direct subscription content, so you can bypass like Patreon and crap like that. Take control of your network. We'll do it. We'll work together, man. I like you. I am um, real quick on the the issue with our stream. Um, I'm get every message I'm getting in is people saying that the minute it stopped was right when Ian started talking about Intel collection via social media. Yeah, it's hard to tell. I said even it was like the CIA, but it, there's no way you to know. You definitely said CIA. Yeah, I said CIA. And then, and then I said intelligence. Like, CIA, shut them down. I yeah, said, and I then said it immediately network. stops. And someone, I think, may have pointed out foreign networks as well. Because when I'm talking intelligence agencies, it doesn't have to be an American uh, one. Wait, okay, you, okay, okay, you okay. just said it again. <laughs> okay, but, 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 and he should. Show's but to freeze. be, to be fair, um, you know, uh, Ethan Klein, he gets canceled by the left and loses sponsors. We call out the CIA, and then our stream just freezes in midstream. So, right. you know, you got to choose. I'm your battle with the American government. We are the good guys. I'm even down with secret agencies, you need, man. You the need, world is look, harsh. Look, you need what you need to do is obviously because he's now a free agent, apparently. Because Malcolm Nance is no longer working for MSNBC, <laughs> you need to Fine. sign him up as a special foreign correspondent for. Timcast for Timcast IRL. Sign, would you sign Malcolm Nance? No. <laughs> but why? Because racism. Yeah, what, is he's he, a bad person. Did he actually go to war? Is that what happened? He, he was an he was an intelligence officer, but no, he's, he's no, he's not an intelligence officer. He was never a naval intelligence officer. He's never a naval intelligence officer. Uh, Wikipedia says he was. He was a navy chief, which is not an ah. officer, mm-hmm. and he was a linguist. He oh, was not. Okay. He was. That is not the same thing. Wikipedia was wrong. Oh my Shock. gosh! What? No, what? Uh, he he's he's got a picture of himself like he's in Ukraine with like tactical gear. And you stuff. saw the video, right? Yeah, where he's like looking at his watch and he's like, "The missiles, they're coming!" It's <laughs> south southwest. Stand by, stand by. And he's like, he's like, like when my dad. Everyone else is just sitting there, like, dude. Everyone's doing? like walking around the background. My dad, you know, when we were little, he used to, you know, it, uh, you know, when you hear the the lightning and thunder, and you can, you know, count how many seconds between the flash. It's like one one thousand, two yeah. one thousand. And then, but Nance is doing that for missiles. <laughs> They're flying over. That's a cruise anti-ship missile. It's coming from a ship towards us now. Bravo. And everyone's like, okay, dude, like, you're, you're fine. Like, like, it's, yeah, we know. Like, we're aware. Well, I want to talk to you guys about Twisting Universe. You down to go? Uh, maybe in a little bit. We should, we should, five minutes. I'm going to delve into it. We should talk about, um, Ethan having him on the show. Well, Ethan's welcome on the show, but I don't think he'd do it because they they never want to. Actually, there's a lefty guy who's tweeting at he's he's DMing me right now, like why why aren't I on the show? Here's the issue with with the left, as we often bring this up: prominent left personalities always have an excuse as to why they won't come and do a show. Yeah, um, it's always Ben Shapiro yelling "debate me" or at least the meme, right? But right. when it comes to the left, they're like, I'm not going on your show. Or they'll publicly be like, I'll go on a show. I can do it. Yeah, I saw your private. whole thing with uh, Hassan the other day. Yeah, because uh, he said he would come out and come on the show. But then he DM'd me and he was like, hey, bro, like COVID, I'm, you know, I'm pretty scared of COVID, so I don't want to do it. And I said, I get it, man. That was that was the, the first time. That was the first time. Right. And then this time he got mad because uh, Hassan tweeted a joke. David Pakman said, do you know anybody who's pro-abortion? I, uh, Hassan then said, me, I'm trying to do this. David Pakman said, that sounds weird. Someone said, what's wrong with more abortions? I screen grabbed that and posted it with no comment. I thought it was funny. I thought the whole interaction was funny. No comment. And Hassan responds with, Do you, it's a joke, man. Do you need me to put slash S? And I'm like, I didn't say it wasn't a joke. I literally just reposted what you did. Like, right. So then he made a tweet about how, you know, me and Dave Rubin or whatever. And then he, I was like, 
we claim to claim to be progressives or true progressives and or 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 like we're people who are rallying people who claim to be true progressives and i was like i've never said i was a progressive i am not a progressive i am a centrist moderate and he's like you're literally doing what i'm making fun of you for and i'm like dude i was like that's not an argument you're welcome to come on the show and have a conversation and and then all of a sudden i'm not coming on your show i i won't do it and then i was like oh here we go here we go you know, so we got a guy who wants to come on the show. And oh, and he was saying, he, right, he was saying, cause he, that you're another part of the country and the travel and cut into my Twitch streaming. This, but, but, yeah. but, you oh, know, he, he agreed to do it before and COVID was the reason. And now it's, oh, I'm too busy. And I'm like, dude, I can respect if you're busy. It's hard for me to travel to go to other people's shows. I still bought a trailer. We drove down to Nashville and I went on a bunch of, I went on Candace's show on the Daily Wire. I went on their sports show and I went on Backstage Live. I will make that happen. And so I was like, dude, I'll get the trailer. We'll, we'll bring it to LA. It'll be really difficult, but we'll figure that out. Spend a week in LA, maybe. I don't really want to. How was the drive to Nashville, by the way? Oh, it's fun. Go was to the good? mountains. It was nine, cool. nine that, look, that looks like be nice. We listened yeah. to uh, Hook by Blues Traveler a few times. That song's yeah, amazing. Yeah, and Judith by Purpose Circle. Good guitar. Amazing guitar. Love Purpose And Circle. one of the best songs I've heard in a while uh, by Nickelback. The devil went down to Georgia, and I am being completely serious. I cannot believe that was actually you, you, Nickelback. He actually put it on before the the episode, and it was. It, and I, I, I'm saying this live. <laughs> it's good. Nickelback's good. You can it's say it's a good Nickelback song. <laughs> no, I, I think but it's not a Nickelback song. But right. it's not it's a Nickelback song. But so Nickelback here, so, does a good so here, version here's, here's of other, another song. Here's the other issue: is we've got somebody on the left. They're like the people who want to come on the show that are on the left have like no followers. They're not particularly prominent individuals. There, I get I get messages from people who are like, I'd love to come on the show, and I'm like, dude, I'm not saying you shouldn't come on the show just because you have no followers, because we that's not the prerequisite for being on the show, but it's the body of work, and typically there's a, co- a correlation between someone with you know uh, who's not particularly prominent and a limited body of work for which we can actually comment on, and then what happens is you bring on someone who is a limited body of work and a low following count, and when you end up destroying them in a debate. The left then says, the only thing you could do is bring on this guy who's like not even that good because he couldn't get a real debate. And it's just like, I got no problem. We'll have, we'll have, we, we, we've got a few people come on. You've had people come on that only have a few thousand followers because followers is not the reason. We've had people come on with no, with no social media and things like that. I'm just referring to body of work. And you let Ian come on. Yeah. Thanks, oh, right, of way. course. Actually, yes. Ian's got yeah, a bunch of followers. Go. Yeah. You know, the first time I was ever invited, I really had to have a long debate with myself about whether I wanted to platform Tim. I was like, am I promoting right. this? I know, right? I got a feeling that a lot of people are afraid work. that if they come talk to you, that you'll bring up like information and over, like just destroy them with like, not destroy, but facts. Take them to town with information and facts, and then they'll feel like an idiot and look humiliated when in fact they can just come hang out and just like learn. But about the problem stuff. is, like, do you guys remember when Hunter Avalon was on the show? Yeah. Yeah, he tried challenging me on the Ukraine story with Biden. And I'm like, I was like, wow, you're really going to. Was try- this when he was trying? So he, cause he like got big as, as like a conservative and then he tried to like veer really hard to the left. And so this was after he was already now like, oh, a liberal. Right, right, right. but he was like, I mentioned the Joe Biden, you know, well, yeah. SOB, I got fired. He's like, that didn't happen. And I was like, yeah, it did. He's like, no, it didn't. And I'm like, here's the video. And then I'm like, bro, don't come here. Having done no research, but acting like you know these stories. I've dug in and done so much journalism on this stuff. The problem is with people like him and uh, is that he sees memes and thinks Tim Pool has no idea what he's talking about and just repeats right-wing talking points. When literally all day this morning, I was digging into the, 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 the Washington Post story, looking at public records and doing legit hours right. of like real research in journalism. I make phone calls. 
I do the work. It is it is rough. Mayo Gate, I love this story. I actually called the restaurant. I call for comment. We do this all the time. I reached out to Taylor Renz for comment. I reached out to the Washington Post for comment. Our newsroom did this stuff. We do the research. These people see these memes and these meme clips, and they're like the right silly talking points. Dude shows up here and says, Joe Biden never said that. I was like, are you kidding, bro? Did you even Google it? Here's the video. And I played it. And he's like, oh, that really happened. And then I'm like, let's talk about Mykola Zalchevsky. Let's talk about the formation of Burisma. Let's talk about the former CIA guy who's working on there. Let's talk about Gazprom. Dude, you do not want to get involved with me. I was in Ukraine. I went there. I watched those protests happen. I'm not going to pretend to be the expert of all experts on this stuff. But man, for these people living on the internet, doing no research, then they finally come here and it is like getting slammed by a tidal wave where it's like, oh, wow, boy, do they look bad. And the problem is for many of these people is they want to maintain this facade of I'm on the left. Well, what happens when they come and sit down with Steve Bannon and Steve Bannon goes tax the rich and they go, I agree, Steve Bannon. Yeah, we're all- And then all everyone on the left is like they're agreeing with Steve Bannon. There you go. That's one of the big problems. I know the left does not like. You know what? You know, I think is good. Destiny. Was it Stephen Bonnell the third? Because that guy has no problem telling it exactly how he thinks. He, he and I got into show. it once, though. And that's fine. But it was I because he, he accused me of not of lying about being in the military and oh. lying about being in the IC. And I did not take that well. When when he came on the show, he has no problem. And it didn't go well for he, him. He knows the stories. He knows what he thinks about him. We just disagree. And I'm like, I can respect that. But there are, there are many people where they think they're going to come on this show and they're going to be like, you're, you think this about race. And I'm like, no, I agree with you on systemic racism. And they're like, you do. And I'm like, yeah, do you watch this show? And they're like, no, but I saw memes once. So this is one of the reasons I think they really do not want to come on the show. Hassan will come on the show. You know, the last thing I said about Hassan before that tweet thread was that he was right. There was a story that came out. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was months ago. And I was like, he was Julian Assange. I think I defended him. Because people were ragging on him about Julian Assange. And I was like, Hassan did not, like, was making a joke about Assange. He did not literally say this. And I'm like, it's silly. We don't need to go after him, blah, 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 just because. And then the dude gets mad at me because he doesn't actually watch the show. If Hassan came on this show, he'd be like, what about this? And I'd be like, I agree. And Ian would be like, I agree. And Seamus would be like, yeah, actually, I, I, I agree with, with the details of that. I made disagree on policy. And then what's he going to say? What's he going to argue about? All of a sudden, the narrative is going to be Hassan goes on Timcast and agrees with everything they're saying. He must be far right. Yeah, just talk about your past, man. Let's learn about where got you to video streaming and into it. You used to work for the Young Turks. Like, what's your relationship with Chank when you guys were young? You know, that kind of stuff. Let's just let's just show humans that we can interoperate and still I, have differing views. I tweeted at him. He was like, why can't I go on Zoom? And I was like, we don't do Zoom. Internet makes us hate each other. It's better to sit down, shake hands, and talk about it. And that's why we do it the way we do. Andy No hit me up, and he's like, can I do your show remote? And I said, sorry, dude, can't do it. Then he came here. Lauren Southern, can I come on your show remote? I said, no, we don't do remote. Sorry, you said can't do you it. can't even do it in person, Lauren. Like We don't want to see you around here. Yeah. And well, uh, uh, even for Andy Noe and Lauren Southern. Oh, yeah. Like, what about Snowden? I, I don't want to do it. I really yeah. do not want to do it. I uh, I remember watching Joe Rogan's episodes where he did Zoom, and I was like, not fun. Yeah, his Snowden episode has thirty million views because it's Snowden. That's that. I, I don't. In I don't. Somewhere. I don't do this for thirty million views. Yeah. Like I want to sit down with people and talk. And even when we had, so would you go to Russia to interview Snowden? The problem, assuming is, you know, travel was was fine and all. Oh, two seconds. Yeah. The, the the real issue is that I can't run a business while flying to Russia. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
We're trying to get to that point. Believe me, I know exactly why, what you mean. Why are you scared of debating Snowden? So you won't debate Snowden then? Uh, You're yeah. terrified? <laughs> I would I would Anti- love to debate Snowden and say that you published documents without going through them and redacting critical mm-hmm. information, and that was a serious intelligence risk. I don't view uh, Edward Snowden as, uh, as a whistleblower. I view him, view him as a leaker because he did not actually review the documents that he was giving away. Uh, and, and he's admitted to that. I can respect that he admitted to it. I think the distinction is important. He did expose a bunch of really important things. That's fantastic. But I think terminology is important in understanding what someone did. Someone who sees malfeasance and says, hey, you guys got to know about this whistleblower. Someone who says, I see bad stuff. I'm going to take all of it and just give it to journalists. I'm like, leaker, different thing. You know, he did blow the whistle technically. What about Manning then? Manning was a whistleblower, collateral, okay. uh, collateral murder. That's, uh, that was incredible, by but, the way. But didn't Manning still grab a bunch of documents? There, there were a bunch of documents, leaker. yes. If, it depends. I don't know exactly. Uh, I'd have to re- research the Manning stuff. The issue with Snowden was that Snowden has admitted to being like, I didn't read this. And it's like, okay, well, then you're just leaking stuff that you don't actually know what you're putting out there. And I think it was actually, it might have been John Oliver, who was like, in the documents you released, there was unredacted critical information that put people at risk. And he was like, I didn't check. Or it was, no, he was like, uh, it was published by the journalists. They failed to redact. And he was like, I didn't, I didn't know. And he's like, shouldn't you have to, like, isn't that your responsibility? And so I was like, yeah, that is, I guess. So I can respect that, you know. But uh, we got a few minutes. You, yeah. you, you wanted to mention that the universe is twisting out of control? Yeah, well, it's definitely twisting in, under control, apparently. Uh, there's this theory that the universe is expanding, and a big part of that is because when they look far, far out into the universe beyond the galaxy, they see what's called a red shift. It looks like the stuff that's further away, the the, the wavelengths of light are getting longer. So I started to think about wavelength, and I brought this little prop. And I'm sorry, if you're not watching the video, you're going to have to get a hold of one of the videos so you can watch this part and get an idea. But maybe you can imagine along with me. Look at this. Look at this wavelength. Now, imagine it's on a flat plane. It's going to look like a very short wavelength, like da-na-na-na-na. It's very short. If this wavelength turns sideways, the wavelength itself becomes longer. It's the same wave. You're just looking at it from a different angle. So it will attempt, it will begin to appear red as a turning. And then I started thinking of the torus and how maybe we're on like a a donut, like on the torus twisting around itself seeing the outside of the universe from a different angle so we see the light reflecting and then i started thinking about the singularity at the center of every black hole and every torus toroidal black hole perhaps and uh the big bang and i think what's happening is as we're twisting around once we twist back through the center we have what we consider the big crunch and then when we come out the other side of the center it expands open into what we might think is the big bang so i tweeted about it you can follow along. Oh, Ian, a- Ian posted this image of the donut universe. Yeah. So um, Ian believes the universe is both do- uh, hollow and flat. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying that the universe is not expanding. It might still be expanding. It's just the main piece of evidence for the expansion is the redshift. And if this also explains the redshift, then um, then you could argue that you may want to remove that evidence as part of the expansion theory. Ian is effectively arguing for solid state theory, just a little different version of it. Solid state theory was like before the Big Bang. They believed the universe just was, and it was like, you know, yeah. And then that this would be a black hole that we're inside of that's inside of another universe that's also a black hole, which is ever fractally uh, expansion. I believe Hawking had a theory as well about uh, multiple Big Bangs. And that's so it would, which is kind of lines up with what you're saying. Like it just keeps happening over and over. How does that explain the the Big Bang? Well, that once you're twisting around back and through the center, you experience the singularity or the big crunch where everything comes together for a moment and then expands back out again. Oh, and I see. So it folds if, in on itself. If you're in the inside and then coming out the other side, it looks like it's exploding, like yeah. blasting out. Right. So actually, I would I would say your twisting universe theory is it, you, you have a three-dimensional representation of a twisting universe, but perhaps it's actually a multi, it, it's beyond three dimensions. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, the universe is yeah. This but, is a three dimensional way to look at it. But I think Ian, you. You, you should read about M-theory and string theory. Yeah, Eric Weinstein particularly has a, a geometrical unity uh, theory, that, and he talks a lot about that the universe is also a torus. And Nassim Harriman talks about uh, the universe in the Schwarzschild proton paper, how it's equal density, and which made no sense because it was expanding. So with this theory, uh, this could explain why there's equal but, density but in the But I got to say, I've read a little bit about M-theory a while ago, and it looks like this is a rudimentary concept. Interesting. Yeah, like if you actually read M-theory, you'd be like, oh, this is a few steps before yeah. we're at, where we're actually at. One thing I keep finding with science is that there's so many ways to explain something. You can explain it two-dimensionally, three-dimensionally, four-dimensionally, five. And they're all right. They're all different ways. Like the electric universe is real. Gravity is real. But they're just different ways of looking at the force. What's amazing to me is that so – and Seamus, you probably know about this too – so Isaac Newton, right? And we, we credit him and, and I was on the war room. Um, we talked about this a little bit on the Easter special that Newton was, you know, he's basically credited for like, obviously being one of the smartest guys that ever lived. Um, you know, arguably, you know, developed calculus, um, at least independently, um, you know, master of Cambridge for years and years, but he didn't even consider himself a mathematician. He thought that was just like a side gig. And what he really focused on was, Theology, the Bible, uh, secrets of the universe. Um, they call it alchemy and occult thinking, but what he really was interested in was, I mean, this idea of codes in the Bible, codes in the pyramids, digging th- millions and millions of words that he wrote about this after he left Cambridge when, that people just totally dismissed. When you were talking about Jesus right. dying and then going through hell before he ascended to heaven, it made me think of the Taurus and going through the center of the singularity, experiencing hell to be rebirthed. Well, yeah, we, we were talking about that a little bit prior you to the... Maybe we can do that in the show. after show. We'll talk more about that. We can we get that if you want, but that's, that's the theory, the layers of hell. Um, Tim, you brought up a cool graphic. So what's this? String theory. Tell me about it. It's string theory. So this is, is this M- I'm not a physicist. M theory also? Uh, I think M theory is an advanced version of it, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a physicist. Uh, I read one book a long time ago, but the the general idea is the universe is like a series of membranes that are folding. And so twisting. it could be a bunch of toruses all like, you know, like this thing behind me. Where is it? Over here. It's like a bunch of toruses all layered on top of each other, like maybe 64 of them. And then you get a shape like that. Could be something. Perhaps. I and mean, that's like or- in motion. But we just took a snapshot of it. Or the Earth is both hollow and flat. Donut Earth theory. Tell me more. Well, you know, I was reading these people saying that the Earth was hollow. And I was like, interesting. But then I saw the people saying the Earth was flat. And I'm like, why not both? That's a more fun theory, in my opinion. Donut Earth. What is inside the Donut Earth? Jelly. (laughs) (laughs) Jelly. Boston cream. No, no, I'm going to go with jelly. So it's full of Taylor Lorenz. (laughs) Um, there are probably gigantic Fair. caverns underground, which may have huge rivers and oceans and, and like plant, like fungus that grows and glows like iridescent light and animals we've it, never seen before. What if it turned out that like the surface world is the North Korea of Earth and that, you know, the, deep underground are advanced civilizations of humans and then we're just living in this dictatorship where they don't let us go to the North Pole to go into the hole, into the cent- into hollow Earth. Oh, and they're con- cr- controlling us through the ELF band, the extremely low frequency, which is another interesting, the ELF band of radiation, the extremely low frequency band. And, and Michael Malice talks about DMT and, and seeing elves. And when you see this ELF band of frequency that is apparently interconnecting the human consciousness, maybe they're if- affecting it from underground. That's Maybe, kind of a joke. but how about we affect super chats? So if you haven't already, <laughs> smash that like button. Become uh, become members at timcast.com if you want to watch the members only show coming up. And uh, 
become a member in general just to support the work our journalists do. Because I got to say, 90 plus percent of what you'll get from TimCast.com is just the journalism that we put out. And it is only possible because we have members. So that is the true value of the site. Because if we got to the point where we had like 200,000 members, then you would be seeing our articles everywhere. We want to get to the point where breaking news doesn't come from fake news manipulators and liars who dox. It comes from real journalists, and that's what we're working on. So don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, and let's read some Super Chats. Gerald Armstrong says, Tim, we need to spread the word and find out what happened to Gonzalo Lira. What happened to Gonzalo Lira? Well, from what I can tell, he was in Ukraine documenting the war. Um, the Daily Beast did an article about him and took a lot of stuff out of context from what I could see. He was uh, a PUA guy at first, what's right? What's PUA? Pickup artist. Yeah, he was a pickup artist, like a YouTuber. And then like he, he's or, not even particularly like political prior to this. And either he said some wrong thing. I mean, when your country's at war, if you start talking out against your country, I imagine they're going to be looking at you as an enemy. No, I don't think he's Ukrainian, though. No, he's an American in Ukraine, but he was in Ukraine. But I think I, I think he's born in Chile, actually. Okay. So Chilean, but has American citizenship, but somehow ends up, I, I, you know, I don't know the, the whole details there. Yeah, American Chilean. He, but he's in, but he was in, uh, I believe it was Kharkiv in, um, in Ukraine posting videos. I, I, I saw one of his videos. It was, you know, it was fine. I didn't find anything threatening by his video or anything like that. I mean, he was just posting basically his theories about some stuff that was going on in the media. From the quotes I saw from Daily Beast, it made him look like a Putin apologist and that he thought Russia was in the right. It was kind of framing it like that. And then all of a sudden he disappeared. Now no one knows where he is. Well, so he had a tweet up that went hyper viral. And he said, if you want to know the truth about Ukraine, uh, look up these. And I think it was like seven names of um, various figures and oligarchs throughout Ukraine. And then he said something to the extent of, if you don't hear from me in 12 hours, you know, this will be the last, my last tweet or something. And then, really? that, and then he actually disappeared after that. Wow. All right, well, let's read more. We got Sorda, who says, let's talk more chickens. Woo. That's right. Chicken City is uh, up and running and one of the most successful super chatted live streams in the world. No okay. joke. No joke. Um, yeah, seriously. I think after we get a few months of Chicken City up and running, you'll see it appear in the top rankings. But based on the current trend of averaging, I think we're averaging around like $1,200 a day. One day we had like 15, one day we had like nine, and we had like 12. So people really do enjoy feeding chickens. Shout Plus out to Roberto. Parties. The king of the chickens. Yeah, he's going to be retiring soon, though. All right. Because Sarah had a son, so he's a Brahma, and he's going to be really big. He's a big rooster. Oh. And so we want, you know, those big rooster genes. We want to make the chickens all bigger. So we're going to be, you know, he's going to take over. A Roberto, new stud. Roberto Jr. will be in charge for a while. Roberto is going to go retire at the boys' dormitory. And then, you know, we got uh, some roosters coming in. Toxic masculinity. It doesn't sound like a democracy at all. No, no. In fact, when um, when Dorothy was getting uh, loved too much by Roberto, because this happens, they get a favorite. Mm-hmm. It ruins their backs and rips their feathers out. So we had to put her in sex jail. Huh. And mm. a lot of people were like, why are you putting the victim in jail? And I was like, because it's just chicken society is different. The rooster is guarding the chickens. He does his thing. It's protective and, custody. But, but if you take him out, then when they come back in, he'll fight with the other rooster. Right. Because they're going to try and reset a pecking order. So it's the, the, we have two roosters. We have a bunch of hens and it works because the younger rooster knows his place. If you take one out and reintroduce them, two adult mature chick roosters are going to be like, I'm going to fight it out. It's not going to be that bad people. Like they're not fighting roosters. It's not going to be like a rooster fight like people think happens. They'll chase each other around a bit and then they'll get into a fight and then stop. But we don't need to do that. So it's easier to just take out the one hen. We tried getting a bib for her back to protect it, like armor, but he kept flipping the bib off, I guess. No, she would rip it off. She didn't like it. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yep, yep. 
So, but uh, when Roberto retires, Roberto Jr. will come in and it's not going to have that problem. And then we're going to put an immature male who will view him as the boss. And then once he grows up, he'll see him as the boss and we're going to worry about it. So that's, you know, we'll be cycling him out. All right, let's read some more. We got Balian says, Jack, curious if you talked with Kelly Shibaka of AK running to take Murkowski's seat and what your opinion of her is. Also curious if you guys have tried getting her on your show. Uh, haven't, haven't spoken to her, um, directly, though I have seen her all over, um, yeah, Bannon's war room and she goes on quite frequently. Um, Alaska is an interesting state, right? And, um, you know, to understand politically because you'll have people who like, they, they, they love smoking weed, but they also love guns, right? So it's, it's sort of this, <laughs> like quasi it's very very earthy right in that sense right a lot of people who love you know very naturalist kind of society so it's it's different i think than anything in the lower 48 and um, that being said murkowski is very strong going to be pulling out the stops um though i think shabaka has a real chance of actually beating her we're looking at um potentially looking at going back up to alaska this year uh do some filming up there do some shooting talk about some of the actual um, resources that we have in Alaska. I mean, that's America's treasure chest in terms of natural resources. You know, we talk about yeah. annexing or purchasing. Greenland, Occupy Alaska. Right. Occupy Alaska, invade Alaska, go in there. Actually, right. And you hear Biden, by the way, he talks about, oh, we're going to start opening up federal leases again. Well, it's not about, or Jen Psaki will come out and say, oh, well, we can't, we don't need to do drilling because we already have 9,000 leases out there. Well, the issue isn't the leases. The issue is the EPA and getting the environmental approvals to actually drill on the leases. Cause we went all the way up with Daniel Turner and we went up to Prudhoe Bay and you can see the oil rigs. And I didn't know this and you know, whatever, um, you know, not an expert in oil rigs, but I didn't know that oil rigs were mobile, uh, on land. So they have, oh, the, wow. they have giant treads and you can actually drive it with a joystick, like a, like a gi- like an actual wow. gigantic Gundam. Whoa. And yeah, dead serious. Right. They, I'm like, why do you guys not lead with that? Right. And, and the point, and they're all just sitting around doing nothing. Wow. All right. Let's read more. We got a sea line in orange says by pillow was an amazing book to read. Such a great book. It left me speechless by Michael <laughs> Knowles available in paper oh, June 2022. Wow, wow. Amazing. Michael Knowles turned selling his book into a meme and, uh, respect it. Yeah, of I course. I do marketing. like the by pillow though. Yeah. Like, so there was a notepad in front of Jack. I was like, I can take notes now. And then he wrote by pillow on it and put it behind yeah, it. I was like, do you have anything to publicize? Jack is like, I don't know. By <laughs> pillow. I just, right. I just want you to buy the pillow. Yeah. So I don't know why you don't. Where sold. can they get that pillow by the just way? Buy mypillow.com promo code. Clef the Misfit says, Tim, your, your quote, only some people have souls theory has been keeping me up at night. NPCs who can't think independently or see it or see the machine elves found another symptom. They have no internal monologue. The They'll tell you that. Is it the pineal gland? Not all of them. No, some like, of them. They, they, they've, they've done, you know, surveys and people, they've asked people, do you have an internal mm-hmm. monologue? Do you like think and talk and like your mind? And there are people who say no. Yeah, some people don't. I don't, we I don't think that breaks, or, does that break down along, are there any statistics on how that breaks up based on political views or anything like that? I don't know. I love using NPC Can we hire broadly? someone? No, no, no joke. Can we hire like a, a polling firm to do that? Huh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really, really interesting. Everyone has souls. Stop despairing. Yeah, I wonder if someone's in a lot of pain if they can't feel it or something. I, I think everyone has souls. Yeah. Like if they're eating. Not like, not like everyone has collected souls. Like everyone has multiple souls in a souls jar in or a something. Jar. Yeah. But everyone has a soul. Or everyone, yeah, a body and soul. Yeah. But you have to develop your soul. You can also kill your soul, mm. right? You don't want to do that. I, I would love to get into that maybe on the after show. I have to think about that. Is it, yeah, well, it, yeah. Is that how, is that, I'm trying to think if that's the theological way of describing, well, yeah, you can, you can, hmm. 
All right. Let's see. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Tim, libs of TikTok is a major player in the political culture war. Laws were written based on the videos she shared. She'll only get bigger now. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't. Libs of TikTok should just be a public figure. And Well, I think I think they did come out and Seth Dillon uh, made the announcement that she is going to be getting hired with Babylon B. Oh, really? And, that's, oh, yeah, that's and that they are. Right. They did do a deal. Um, I had heard a little bit about this. Um, it, so he, he tweeted, you know, basically put out a tweet thread saying, we stand by her. She will not be canceled her new job and alluded to the fact that, that Babylon B has done a deal with lives of TikTok. Right on. All right. The user known as Tim says, Tim, if doxing is solely a matter of free speech, then won't, then it won't be any issue if we counter dox every single journalist who does this nonsense. Right. So I think doxing is wrong, but doxing is free speech. You can go outside with a big poster board of someone's name and address and private information and picket it around. It is protected speech. Um, that's why I said I don't think I think some censorship makes sense. And I think we can all agree that there are some things like doxing is off limits. The issue is doxing is not a political opinion. It is a form of intimidation, intimidation, threat or stochastic terrorism. And as soon as you mix it with implying that someone's bad and then you dox in the same article, that's political. When you're talking about someone's values and making value claims on someone in public, you're, that's a political move. Yeah, I think I think doxing. Um, I I have no problem with doxing not being on social media. Doxing is not a personal opinion. Doxing is not a political opinion. Doxing is not speech in the sense that it's uh, it is not political speech. It is just posting some, the information. On well, this is under the, under the minimize harm theory. You know, and I will say too, I'm not an absolutist in this. I'm willing to hear some counterpoints because allowing someone to determine when they can ban you based on doxing could also restrict you from publishing newsworthy events that aren't doxing, but could well, be so, addressed. So th- as an example, though, uh, doxing can also be revealing someone's name, not necessarily their, but just their address. So if you get these viral videos, um, not just lives of TikTok type videos, but let's say a video of a criminal act. And you have the ability to actually positively identify the person in one of these attacks. We see like uh, attacks on Asians or a right. shooting or, you know, whatever it is. If you can identify that person. That's not doxing. Therein, therein lies, right, the big challenge. I do disagree with publishing the name in these stories because it doesn't serve the story itself. No. It's, an, it's an attack. I have no problem with if, you know, Taylor Lorenz wrote an opinion piece saying, here's my opinion of this person. And I'm publishing their name specifically because I want you to know it. I'd be like... You know, there well, actually, I get that. we should probably say this, but there actually is a story to be told about libs of TikTok, but the story would be, why did the account take off? What was the content they were dealing with? Why were laws written? What was the impact of it? But that wasn't the story. Yeah. All right. John Kristen says, uh, or is it, uh, yes, Kristen. Love Poso by far my favorite guest on IRL, despite him talking smack on my hometown, Altoona and cargo shorts. <laughs> Altoona PA <laughs> Shout out to Altoona Yeah that was fun right Yeah that was Altoona awesome. was fun That was a little ribbing That was a little ribbing But not about cargo shorts Cargo shorts are absolutely unacceptable Dalimar says The question is simple Why did all of these old papers and media Just become the National Enquirer Over the last 10 years Has the internet just ravaged them that much Yes Waiting for the New York Times and WAPO Article finding Hitler's skull Yeah I wouldn't be surprised I mean we're already at that level Where it's like an activist gets hired and then blogs and they're like national news run yeah, with it it used to be there were three networks that were held very tightly as the gatekeepers abc nbc cbs and then when it splurged out into all these millions of people giving the news now it's about who's the most entertaining who's going to catch your eye with spectacle yeah but that's actually that's actually more traditional that so the the um the centralization of news is only something that really came about with the advent of television 
um, prior to to that, every town had like three or four newspapers, a bunch of radio stations, and or even you know if you go back even further, pamphlets. And so, um, yellow journalism, the Spanish uh, Spanish American War, eighteen ninety eight is is always talked about as one of these things of who could make the biggest splash who could say oh the, the spaniards are against us they're blowing up the main in havana harbor they're doing all this stuff we got to go against them um so the idea of viewpoint neutral journalism actually is something that only arose really with the advent of television in the 1950s to early 1960s coincides of course with the vietnam war um but that's that's not the traditional american view and um, really experience with media. That's only something that arose because of that one limited, very limited interaction. If you go back to today's, of course, the anniversary of the Battle of Lexington and Concord, the shot heard around the world. And if we remember, it was those localized pamphlets, independent printers, independent publishers, Thomas Paine, you know, printing stuff and handing it out to people in inns and taverns that really formulated the sort of the thought experiment behind the American Revolution that led to the independence of this country. Yeah. All right. Dan says, Tim, big, fa- big fan of you and the team. Tim cast subscriber and enjoy the extras. Although I don't take advantage of the membership, I will never cancel out of support for what you and the team do. Thank you. What we need to do next is, uh, uh, it's a lot. We're juggling so much. Pop culture crisis, of course, has been, you know, getting, getting bigger, getting more views, getting more subs. So we want to, we want to have that show that, that engages with pop culture getting, getting bigger because that's how we're going to Im- impact it by participating. But, um, we need to hire prominent writers who do good op- op-eds, analysis, and think pieces so that we can start making opinion paywalled articles for timcast.com. So that way we can share these stories and then be like, hey, here's, you know, like a value proposition. We have a lot of users. We have a lot of subscribers. The overwhelming majority are subscribing for the general mission and content of the website. And it's not necessarily just about the members only stuff. It's just like it's 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 the news team. It's the writing we do. It's it's the whole mission. We know this because we had subscribers even before we had the paywall. We just had to do that to create a better value proposition. So that's the next thing. I probably I, I want to hire two opinion writers in cultural politics. So we're looking at a handful of people and then they'll write articles when they, you know, when they write articles addressing big stories like this. And then those will be like paywalled op-eds just to give the members more stuff. Plus we have the green room and we're, we're, we're trying to expand and grow and do crazy stuff. Matthew Emmons says Babylon B CEO Seth Dillon announces partnership with libs of TikTok. I think it's a good fit. I really do. All right. Placid Saint says Netflix may have gone down because a new series called He's Expecting just got released and it looks super cringe and looks like utter gutter trash. I can only imagine what what, what, what that one's about. We'll see. It's an affront to God. (laughs) (laughs) Not the only thing on Netflix either. No, no. All right. uh, Let's see. Sean McCormick says there are trending rumors that Dr. Fauci is facing a military tribunal since (laughs) April 18th. Please look into this. It could be huge and is definitely not happening. And I would bet a lot of money it's not happening. I mean, that's just, come on. That's like Wiki World News level. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Nope, sorry. Bad boy that's, saves that's the world. That's servers in Germany, CIA gun battle level. Yeah. Ben Hickson says, in Oz, major parties polled 33%, independent making other third. All Aussies vote major parties last to enact real change and consider liberal Democrats with freedom manifesto. <clears throat> Interesting. I thought they meant Dr. Oz for a second, who's, you know, the guy who supports red flag laws, who talked about top surgery for seventh graders, who uh, mocked heartbeat bills, and yet somehow is running around calling himself conservative, even though of co- to run in Pennsylvania, even though, of course, he's lived for 30 years in New Jersey. 
Yeah, I mean, he's got to, with those opinions, he's got to wait like at least five years before he calls himself conservative. Maybe six. Yeah. yeah. Maybe six. Time's an illusion. Steve says, we can really go back to the way it was if you're pushing 60 like me. Way better times when I was a kiddo. I would be terrified if I was a parent today. It's there. You know, I think we romanticize the past. You could. Every, cell phones are great. Every generation, there's people think it's the end of the world. It's calm. It's. I would say it's common. It's not common throughout every person alive at that moment. It's very few people do it, but right now they have a megaphone. Don't get distracted by it. Don't get afraid. Stay brave, man. You're live. You're doing it. You're here with us now. We, we had a draft during Vietnam. Think about that. We had an actual yeah. draft in this country where you were, you were conscripted by the government and there was a lottery system, yep. um, with essentially you were given a number and then you would turn on TV at night, um, for your local lottery. And if your number came up, off you went. That's or in the morning. Yeah. Uh, or in the wow. morning. So my dad has told the story when he was yeah, in high school on too. the morning announcements, they would play the radio segment announcing who in the area had their number pulled. Like, so they would know who and they got would read drafted. the numbers and then you would just yeah. go. And that it's was crazy based that on people a would false be like, flag. The Gulf of Tonkin. That's right. And it's crazy that people would just stand up and be like, oh, guess I'm going to go. Democracy, right, now. guys? Democracy. Do you understand yeah, that right. they, they did that on purpose? They put us into that war on purpose. They did that on purpose, and then they drafted people. Yes. Incroyable. All right. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Ian, roll the dice while we wait. Please. It. One through 100. Here we go. All right. Ian's going to roll that. I'm going to scroll down. It's 74. 74. Ain't not bad. Big number. All right. Grofty says, Bach, yay, you back. Grofty has been a generous supporter of Chicken City, keeping those chickens well-fed. Thank you very much. We now have, uh, so Chicken City has sky eggs. What are they're, sky eggs? They're, they're these eggs that dispense treats, and they hang. And when you give five bucks in different order, they will drop treats. Oh. So when every $100, a chicken party is triggered, and mm -hmm. like dance lights show up, and a dance song happens... And then the treats drop all randomly. The chickens are all running around. Yeah, when they come they running out it. of the, when they hear the music and they it's, come running. It's really funny when the music starts and they run from outside and they're like waddling like, ah, oh, the food's <laughs> coming. We heard the song. So they learned the chicken dance song. Means I think I was watching it a little bit and I think I saw Seamus actually running along with the chickens. Yeah, you know, look, music. every now and again, there's there's bread on the ground. A fella gets hungry. <laughs> you just have to take yeah. the chances. Hey, those are sky Get, treats. Bark, bark, bark. People exactly. don't realize that yeah. Seamus pecks the ground and eats the crumbs. He does. Look, yeah. and also, you know, if a chicken gets in my way, I'm not above fighting it. It's good exercise, too. <laughs> Murph Try says, Tim, please tell Brett I apologize for calling him Brent yesterday. Brent. Thanks, Murph. So, so uh, you know, Brett was here yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right, in the Super right. Chat, I said, he said Brent. And then Braxton, who was here, called him Brent as well because he thought he must have been wrong to call, like, him oh, no, call him Brett. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Proto says, people don't understand the plus part of the service. Get CNN for free every every month or get CNN plus no stelter. For, for just five bucks ah. more. No, that's um, CNN plus, plus, plus. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Stelter's on CNN plus. Yeah, he is. Like you pay extra for him not to be on it. Uh. Yo, like nobody watches his show. Pretty good. It's, it's like, what's his ratings? Like 40,000. No, his, his ratings are abysmal. And, and they say that John Malone, so who's the, who's the, um, the lead investor, lead shareholder in Discovery has said that, you know, he just thinks that, uh, that Stelter is just like a cancer on the company and wants to get rid of him. Really? But, oh, hundred percent. Wow. But honestly, I mean, I think there's f people who are on there. Brian Stelter has no influence. Brian, Brian Stelter has no impact. I mean, he's kind of just like a laughing clown, right? Everybody just jokes about that guy. He's a punchline. Is he well, like a really nice no guy in private? No, what, why no, is he not so popular over there? What would you do if like the discovery guys came to you, Jack, and they were like, we want you to run CNN and take it over? Uh, I would ask for full car blanche. Yeah, yeah. I would say, I would say, look, you know, yeah, I, like I have to, you, you know, I, so yeah, you, first thing you do, you got to clean house. That's, mm -hmm. that's first and foremost. And so in Poland, um, 
when the Law and Justice Party, which is like the center right party, won um, the control of the government in 2015, the first thing they did was essentially go to the Polish version of like the BBC, which they call TVP, and they just fired all the on-air talent and they brought in conservatives to basically wow. be the broadcasters of Poland. And, you know, essentially you'd have to do that with CNN or at least, you know, bring on people. So you'd have to have your, your news programs that were just straight news. And if you caught someone embellishing, you'd have to get rid of them. Um, and then you could have multiple shows. You could go back, by the way, right? It wasn't that long ago that Alex Jones was going on CNN debating Piers Morgan, mm. or you would have Tucker Carlson yeah. sitting down with like James Carville or someone from the left, right? You can easily bring that back. And, you know, and you can have Don Lemon and Wolf Blitzer arguing about which black hole MH370 went through. If CNN had Alex Jones and say... Alex Jones went on The View. I know, I know. If they had Alex Jones and Rachel Maddow on the same show at the same time, they'd have like... Mega ratings. 10 million. Mega ratings. It's got to be long form. They should go long form, too. There's so many things you could... There's so many things you could do with that. And everybody would want to watch it. It'd be way more interesting than boring politics all the time. Don't give them ideas because, you yeah. know. Well, we already kind of did that. Collab. Like, we had Rachel Maddow on with Jeremy Boring. Yeah, we did. That was we, we, that's cool. true. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, that's right. Yeah, Rachel Maddow and Jeremy Boring discussing philosophy. Rachel, of course, is a conservative uh, white man who that's hosts right. a, 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 a man. named Michael. Who wrote a book yeah. called Speechless Controlling. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, here's something funny. So whenever a guest comes, we have uh, our, our graphic artist, Jessica, draws a portrait of them. <laughs> right. And then they sign it. So for Michael Knowles, she actually made a Rachel Maddow photo and a Michael Knowles photo, and Michael only signed the Rachel Maddow. (laughs) (laughs) But all right, so did he write Rachel Maddow? No, no, he wrote Michael Knowles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because we did as a joke, like here's your picture, and he signed it. No, no, signed the real one, and I guess he forgot. He got so distracted. He was like. That's beneath me. <laughs> I guess on the wall of portraits we have here, we got to put up the uh, Rachel, Rachel Maddow Rachel one Maddow. with right, autograph that one now, Yeah, It's probably worth more money now, to be honest. Yeah. It's like the variant. We'll cover. get Rachel to sign Michael's. Yeah, there you go. All right. MJAC says, interested in what all of you, even my fellow, fellow Catholics, think of the dark MAGA movement. I don't know what that is. What is that? No idea. My guess. I don't know. Do you know anything? Dark MAGA movement. I've I've seen. Yes. Yeah, uh, Raheem Kassam had a Substack up about this, and then Newsweek is attacking it now. And it's sort of this like, it's like this new take on MAGA, and this idea that like if basically it comes down to if Trump comes back, it should be like a revenge mission. Oh, that yeah. you know, and and so all the aesthetics kind of you know you know revolve around that. Trump just shows up and he's wearing like a black trench coat and his eyes have like yeah, you, dark you get rings it. around yeah, his you, eyes. Yeah, exactly. Bends the doors he's, of the White House when he yeah, rides through. Yeah, he bends. <laughs> well, no, the thing I was saying yesterday was you saw that that bit with, um, you know, Joe Biden and the Easter Bunny um, coming off, you know, and the oh, Easter yeah. Bunny was like getting him out of there. And I was saying, well, the the next logical step in that would be that the, the Easter Bunny pulls – the mask off and underneath it's Trump and the, you know, the crowd goes wild. How did he get in here? And you know, I need was like, we're going, it's Trump. Shame it's it. Trump. I need a, uh, Emperor Palpatine, too. but Trump. Oh. oh my gosh. It seems like, I feel like he looks more like Biden. <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. Give me the, do, do it. Say, oh, oh, do the impression. Yeah. 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 As Trump, Trump as Emperor Palpatine. This story of Dark Plague at the Wise is the greatest. No, I, I, I don't know. I know. So, so you want to do Trump's voice? Like, first, quite frankly, it's a story CNN wouldn't tell you. Okay? You gotta let the hate flow you have through to let you. The, firstly, okay, folks, the fate, you have to let the hate flow through you. He's okay? too dangerous to be left alive. You have but to. I can't. 
It's not the Jedi way. Do it. <laughs> Your friends on the it. sanctuary <laughs> moon. I have the biggest <laughs> lightsaber. <laughs> this I shoot Un- the most lightning. power. This power station is quite operational. I said, I said, look, if you, if you <laughs> entered, good. if you entered Ukraine airspace, we, we would use the Death Star. And I 10% oh, yes. meant it. We may have used the Death Star if they went to Ukraine. It's possible. Coruscant, Coruscant, uh, deserved it. Does Taurus, right. cause Coruscant actually get schwacked in the movie? Yo, not in the original. idea. No, yeah. in, in the new. Oh, I don't know. Coruscant? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he blows it up, right? I don't remember. Oh, that's no, jumping blow- the shark. Didn't he blow Coruscant up in the first one? In no, four? that was no, Alderaan. 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 Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure Coruscant Alderaan. gets blown up in the new one. I guess. It's, I it's, guess. Like, a th- it's like a throwaway <laughs> line. Like, oh yeah, we blew up the capital city. And well, this time, people. this time the Death Star's a planet and it doesn't fire one blast. It fires a bunch. And it's like, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real original, guys. All right. Amber Black says Chicken City should sponsor H3H3. Done. Ethan. Oh. Have your people call my people. Chicken City will absolutely sponsor one of your episodes. Very I am not kidding. Send me your rates. If they're, if they're reasonable, I mean, if, if they're like, we want some insane number, but if they legitimately are like, here's our normal rates, I'll be like, dude, we want the Chicken City commercial. We want the Chicken City shout out from Ethan Klein. I will take it. Chicken City is the most, most wholesome show, completely apolitical. It is just chickens eating treats. Being chickens. We're actually making kids cartoons. And I wrote the Chicken City theme song. We also right. got the funniest, like, Adult Swim 2007 chicken cartoon. It's Very, like 20 or 30 seconds, but it's a little too too racy for uh, Instagram, I think. I'll just say that when oh, Seamus and good. I when Seamus and I were doing the VO, like, writing session on this, I ad-libbed a very, very, very dark. <laughs> and then when I sent the, anim- the, the the VO to our animator, Kent, I was like, hey, don't make that one. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't was do like, that. I will not do that. And yeah, then he sends me he sends me the clip like, it has been made. Oh, and it's hilarious. Oh, no. I tried posting it on Instagram, but Instagram shadow banned it that, What was that show? It was like um, Adam Carolla was on it. He was a pig. Oh my oh, gosh, yeah. drawn, drawn, together. Together. drawn together. It was yeah. Adam Carolla? It was basically that yeah, kind of humor. That, yeah, yeah, that's what it reminds me of. That show was actually drawn together. Wild. Yeah. They made a movie, good, I think. Good, I yeah. All right, we got yeah. JN who says Magneto, Ian, watch Dr. Gene Kim talk about graphene regarding iron mixing with clay. McLeod, Seamus, can help him understand. Deuces. All right, Thank Magneto you. and McLeod. Doctor. I appreciate the shout out. I don't understand the reference. I'm is that, a, is that a Highlander? Reference? You know what? Send me a link on Twitter to the video you're talking about. There can about. be only one. Yeah. Thank you. There can be only one. Only one. Highlander. Man, what a show. Or movie. Or both. Whatever, Whatever it is. Wasn't there like the show, one. like every episode, he like he killed the guy or something? Because there can it? be only one. It's so weird. Like, will you just like go around killing everyone else? Well, I know in the first movie they um they have this this like huge epic drawn out Scottish Highlander battle in like a parking garage, and I think that in general we need to do more to um be more grateful to parking garages for their contribution to the movies of the 1970s and 80s. Yeah, it's got a lot of good lighting opportunities. Like everything since Watergate had to be everything was in a parking garage. <laughs> I thought the uh, well, they live at a great fight scene right yeah, outside of a parking right outside of a parking garage. Right. All right. Honda Driven says, hey, guys, I love the show and just became a member. Thank you very much. Uh, thoughts on Russell Brand's podcast yesterday about the Great Reset. If you've watched it, I haven't. Oh, I but Russell that. Brand has been so hitting good. grand slams lately, hasn't he? His whole life. <clears throat> he's yeah, actually he's, he's actually really, really good in Death on the Nile. He's like probably the best part of that movie. He's so good. He's, he's like a really, polyglot. really excellent in that. He's like a master. And he's, and he's not, it's not a comedic role either. It's like a very serious... Um, dramatic turn. And I, I love really how they're smearing him. They're like, Russell Brand is now far right. I was so glad he got serious in like 2011. He started taking stuff really seriously right around the time they were going to sell us out to the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Wasn't that, isn't that right when he and uh, Katie Perry broke up? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Changes a man. 
All right. See, seven that changes the man. Seven Ninja says, Tim, will you ever do more tech news on your main channel or maybe on a sub channel? For example, maybe there is news on development of geothermal energy. Well, what we're trying to do is make new shows. And we're also trying to figure out the right way to do it because we want we want TimCast.com to be big. But also, does it make sense for people who are, you know, driven by culture and politics to, you know, see a story about a new cell phone? They might be like, mm. so we do, do we do a broad general website or do we make like a network site and each individual sh- like show has its own site with its own articles and stuff? And like verticals. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think we're at the point where we couldn't justify launching independent websites just yet, but we're probably going to get close to that. So there will probably be, you know, TimCast.com, which is like this show and my, my YouTube show and then a little bit of everything. But then we'll probably give independent sites. So we will we, – we, we have been planning a tech show because we have a hacker space that's barren and unused. We just need hackers to be in it. We have one of the best 3D printers money can buy, which is just sitting there unused. I'm disappointed. But uh, expansion is not easy. You know, man, we, we like – I don't want to say too much, but security stuff, like expanding all of that – it's brutal. It's brutal, man. That being said, I, I do think I saw a headline on energy that uh, something about the the Biden administration was looking about at st- spending $7 billion on um, refurbishing nuclear sites in the U.S. Well, you know, our economy is doing well. Why not? Why not? Just spend yeah. a whole lot of money. Just yeah. print it. Yep. Keep printing. It's a good idea. All right. We'll grab uh, one more. Skater Own Solution says, Tim, I'm down to my last dollars to give. Hope to catch your attention and get some advice on how I want to rebuild skate culture in the right direction. Please check out my story on the skaterowned.solutions website or someone on your team. We need people who can build ramps. So, you know, if you uh, if you guys do ramp construction, we have a lot of stuff that has to get built. Oh, yeah. And you can email us. Spend the UFO at gmail.com. If you do ramp construction... Send us photos of the work you've done, yeah. and we will hire you yesterday to do construction. For your, oh, for your personal work, man, take a look at Brett Dasovic because that dude is diligent. Every day he skates, and he makes videos, and he pushes it out, and he, and he sells himself, and then Tim saw his work. So do that as well. Well, actually, what happened was over the pandemic, rollerblading became way more popular because people started getting back into it. Sales started going up. And then I watched skateboarding mm-hmm. videos. But because of the similarities, I started getting recommended roller skating and rollerblading. And that's actually how I found Brett. I saw this video where he was like doing a grind on like a wooden stump or something. And I was like, this dude's willing to like, he'll skate anything. And so I hit him up. I'm like, hey, come out and film. Cause we also had a, ro- a, a scooter guy come out, a BMX guy come out. I was like, I want to get everybody to like, you know, and then Brett stuck around and we, we got him on pop culture crisis. So anyway, my friends, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel support the work we do at timcast.com because your membership isn't just about necessarily what the website has to offer. It does, but it's about the mission that we're building and trying to expand. So, you know, hopefully you believe in the work we do. And if you do, you want to keep it going. So that's what your membership gets. And you will get to watch the members only segment coming up at about 11 p.m. tonight. You can follow the show at Timcast IRL basically everywhere. Follow us on Instagram for clips. You can follow me at Timcast basically everywhere. Jack, you have a book. Buy Pillow. I uh, just would like to remind everyone to buy Pillow. Every page of the book says buy Pillow. No, seriously, uh, check me out. Human Events Daily, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we are got a new tagline for the show. It's a podcast for people who don't like podcasts mm. because it's 25 minutes, all the news, the analysis of the day, and our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to everyone, be good, be brief, be gone. Right on. 
Wonderful. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes. Please go over there, check it out. I think you guys will enjoy it. We just released a cartoon today uh, called The Democrats' Brilliant Midterm Strategy. I don't want to give away the punchline. It's very short, 30 seconds or so. I think you guys will really <laughs> like it. Going. Follow me, iancrossland.net, if you want to get in touch. And if you want to talk more about this uh, twisting universe theory, please contact me on Minds or Twitter. Get involved. Very fun, very exciting future we have ahead of us. Bye. Very cool. And I am also here in the corner. You guys may follow me on Twitter and Minds.com. Com at Sarah Patchlitz. I also have a sourpatchlitz.me. All right, everybody, head over to timcast.com for that member segment, and we'll see you all there. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys.